Uh, this is Mike Norton, zombie and pug enthusiast, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Right, wondrous. You get to see how the sausage. <laughs> one, That's it, see? One, one take cubed. Yes. It's a dream. It's a dream. Uh, the third aliens movie. <laughs> yeah. That's just a terrible, terrible film. I have a good idea for this movie. Why don't we take one of the most beloved characters in the second movie and let's listen to her ribs crack? In, uh, in right up front. Yeah. Oh, stop. Wasn't that Joss Whedon that did uh, Alien Three? I uh, I think I think Fincher's attached to the, as the director. Did Whedon do any rewrites? He may I have. have. Fincher is the director. Yeah, yes, but I mean, uh, I know I think Whedon has something to do with that travesty. I think you're right. And then he just it's brought it. the stank with him to Buffy. So. Oh, so hey, that's so beautiful, dude. You just, yeah, there's, there's no need for that. Nobody hurts you. <laughs> here, and, stuff you love and then all of a sudden, like, well, see, and I'm going to repeat what I always say: if you don't take it personally, it doesn't hurt. It's just me being nasty. I know, but you should be nasty <laughs> to the ones you love. This is exactly. true, but because it hurts so much, then it's optimal. Like that's the best hurt. No. Oh, you, no. <laughs> It but was anyway. written by David Geiler, Walter Hill, and Larry Ferguson. Oh, fucking so. Larry. I hate that guy. Yeah. Worst neighbor. He is the pits. But this is definitely not the pits. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 722. And I'm Vince B. Woohoo! You are Vince B. And Hi. Peter Brady, obviously. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. Jesus. I'm David A. Price. Indeed you are, and uh, my head hurts a little bit because I'm Lil Uzi Vert. I got nothing on this one. Are you going <laughs> to... Really... Wait, okay. Wait, really? I don't... Okay, Lil Uzi Vert's a rapper, as you might have guessed. I would assume, yes. But he has been in the news this week because he yeah. got a $24 million pink diamond surgically implanted on his forehead. Oh, I saw that. Like yeah. the vision stone. I yeah. saw that. That's it's excessive, but I didn't know what the guy's name was. Like Dude, I, it's I, not just excessive. He literally acknowledged that if like it it gets like if it gets pulled out or removed or like he'll die. So isn't that kind of like Baron Harkonnen's heart plug? Like isn't he kind of begging people to try and run up on him and pull it out? I, I think so. Why wait, why did, how did they connect was they connect to his brain or something? They have a, it's a metal bar uh, that was subdurally implanted into his forehead. Oh. Um, Life goals. Well, the, the, b- before you say who he really is, uh, just so that I don't forget, uh, Whedon wrote Alien Resurrection. Oh, even worse. Ah. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> but continue, please. I beg yeah. you. Uh, but you're not little Uzi Vert. Vert. Person, you're Jason Wood, everybody. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think someone else is here. That we do. We have a guest, and you know, I tell my kids all the time that you need to. It's never too late to make amends for past mistakes. And this is a long overdue guest because mm. he's 
even though he's never officially been a guest, he's been EOC family. He has been uh, a participant in the show's community for a decade. And uh, we first sung his praises about a decade ago, I guess, give or take, uh, when he teamed up with Chris Sabella on that fantastic mountain climbing adventure we know as High Crimes. Then he went on to do a kick-ass book called Savage Things, which we gave the love to with Justin Jordan. Yes. And um and and Dap among the three of us was was absolutely beyond elated when he uh dipped his wick in the uh James Bond mythos for a while. <laughs> he's also done a ton of other awesome comics for Marvel and DC, but he's here tonight because I would argue this is in what's been an excellent career, the start of um even leveling up further because we're here to talk about a book called Count, which is a new graphic novel that is the first of a three-book deal this gentleman has landed with Mark Wade and Humanoids. He also happens to be the uh, best breakdancer in comics and is probably <laughs> the most famous comic book creator in Portland. I am, of course, talking about our good friend, Ibrahim Mustafa. What's up, my man? What's crack my gentleman? How are you? <laughs> Good, good. I got that right, right? Like, there's nobody more famous in comics in Portland than you, right? No, it's I'm at, yeah, it's weird. It's so weird, Jason, being the biggest fish in this pond. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because uh, <laughs> so. Jeff Parker moved, right? I mean, he's yeah, he's he's still around. Bore across oh, town okay. from each other. You know? Oh, all right, I see. Yeah, so he's on. He stays on his side of the street. Okay, right. that's fine. I I might be. You know, I'm actually from here. That's my claim to fame. I I didn't move here like all these. Oh, posers. you're an OG. Oh, nice. all right, yeah. <laughs> posers get to step in. Everybody That's else right. came to hang with you. Yeah, they heard about the the breakdance scene here, and they said, "You know what? <laughs> trying to trying to step it up to the streets. Let's get there." <laughs> and you don't have to breakdance to get cheap comic books and graphic novels and everything else that's in the previews catalog. Where you got to go, where the prices are super low. Everybody knows Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time for the people way, way, way back in the cheap seats, DCB service.com or get your books get them fast get them delivered straight to your door and sad clown the list of specials is not up yet it's too early in the month for that but rest assured when they do post them very soon the uh, list will be both deep and plentiful so uh check them out if you haven't already dcbservice.com look to see what all the smart people saved last month because we're loyal customers and they have super low prices on everything. Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, IDW, Fanagraphics, everybody in the previous catalog. You get something off. Uh, but, yeah, Marvel and DC is usually 50% off, which is a great freaking deal if you are so inclined. So uh, go there and save. DCBService.com. They're the best. Boom. Yeah. The best. Absolute. And uh, because we didn't have any books to tout uh, this episode, what with um, DCB service not having the list up, we're going to fix that because there is a book we are going to tout. And it's from one of our very good friends, Mr. Cameron Hathaway. This thing is called, now if there's little children in the room, why are they here? You know what <laughs> we do. But uh, just in case, if you're listening in the car, your little ones are around, remove them from the room for a couple seconds. We'll wait. Okay, this thing is an anthology, and it's called Clusterfucks Comics with an X. Number one, 
and it's now available to purchase. It features comics and illustrations from Brian Judge, Isaac Roller, Vicky Smalls, Eric Yasek, Cameron Zavala, Miguel Elias Aguilar, Robert Negosco, oh, I'm going to mess that up, Neg- Negosco, right? Adam Yeeter, Charlie Sizemore, and some dude named Cameron Hathaway. We've mentioned him many times in the past. He's a friend, uh, and uh, he's the editor of this thing. Put it all together. It's the first of many issues. I think he already has the next two done, right, from what I'm led to believe. But anyway, it's 8.5 by 11, printed by Rat Nest Sticker Company, 44 pages, and you can have it by going to Clusterfucks Comics. That's C-L-U-S-T-E-R-F-U-X-C-O-M-I-X dot bigcartel.com. One more time. Uh, cl- well, you know what? We're just going to put the link on the website. And then you just go there. Click on it, and then you can buy this thing. I did. Dap did. Jason did. A bunch of other people did because it's awesome. And it's very, very indie. It's uh, it, it jumps way over that line. So take a look at it. Clusterfucks Comics, number one. Do it. Get it done. And that's it. Well, it's not it entirely because... Before we can get to this chatting, right, getting our chorins done, you need to tell us what you're drinking, Vince. Okay, very special night. I would be beside myself if I not bring some kind of alcohol to the party, and uh, well, I just did a trifecta. It's a, a trifecta of Terrapin uh, Beer Company. The first is um, Luau, which is uh, passion fruit. Orange and Guava IPA. Now remember, mm. I'm not hot on the sweet beers, so yeah. I gotta blame my brothers-in-law for for this stuff. The next one uh, is uh, Cryosphere, which is uh, burr. It's hoppy in here. And the third one is Recreation Ale, all by Terrapin Beer Company. All right. Yeah, right I didn't on, buy right them. On. I was gifted them. So, but they are beer, and you know, I wanted to celebrate. I didn't have time to get wine, which would have been optimal, but mm-hmm. whatever. <sighs> whatever. Oh, good. What about I, yourself, uh, Jason? Yeah, I, I uh, tried a new wine tonight. Um, well, that's not entirely true in that we had it for dinner, so I've already tried it, but uh, it's not like I'll be on air here taking my first sip, but uh, it's delicious. It's from uh, Blue Rock Vineyards in Sonoma County, Cali. Got to celebrate the west side tonight. Uh, This is the Baby Blue Red, which is a um, red blend. It's uh, 47% Cabernet Sauvignon, 28% Merlot, with some Petit Verdot, Syrah, Malbec, and a dash of Cabernet Franc. It's excellent. It's a little pricier. Than what we sometimes bring to the table. It was like $40, but it's, it's one of those you get what you pay for sometimes. This is really good. So if y'all, and I think it is pretty widely available. So if you're looking for a little more celebratory bottle, maybe you're popping off celebrating your new graphic novel, something like that. Who knows? Pick yeah. up this Blue Rock 2017 Baby Blue Red. Take it. Um,. I'm pretty sure I've had this before, uh, but it's been quite a while, and this is uh, no blends tonight. 
It's a straight-up Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, California. It is from 2018, family-owned, genuine, auspicious. And uh, it is, um, it, well, I, I haven't uh, sipped on it since since I cracked it open. But I do remember, I, I, I like the bottle, I like the label. Um, but I don't know, I just finished a blend. I finished the, the, the wine I usually have. I finished that with dinner, so I grabbed this one from the rack before running upstairs. So, um this is what this is what I'm having tonight, but I'm I, I can't be the only one drinking. So there we go. And I don't know if our guest are you are you imbibe? Uh, I I don't, but I do have a uh, a bottle of Henry Weinhardt's root beer gourmet soda draft style here for the special. That's fancy season. enough. I respect yeah. the effort. I respect I, you know, the effort. I actually used to uh, when I first started listening to the show. Um, I would I would get these and like drink them only while I would listen. Like, would you guys mm. drink what roll calls? My own little like, uh, you know, sort of like um, a ritual while I would you know because I'd listen to the show while working on comics, and uh, and so my wife got some of this uh, about a week ago, and I got through the other five, but I saved one specifically for this episode. So Aww, you know, nice. had to do it up, get a little crazy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Love nice. it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I just have one question before we dive deep into count. Jason said that this was uh, the first of three books. Now, I need a little bit of clarity on this. Is sure. it a first of a trilogy or is it a first of three individual books? First of three individual books. Yeah, oh. the wording on the announcement kind of made it seem like it was like a three-part story. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just three individual books, the first of which is count, and then the other two are going to be other stuff so okay now not revealing any of the pertinent details uh concerning the end of count mm-hmm. will we maybe see these characters again you know i don't know I, I i tried to leave it in a way that we could um i i suppose it's probably one of those things that depends on how the book does and you know if it's uh if, if it warrants kind of another revisit there's certainly uh, more stuff to be mined in that world, if anything. So, um, yeah, it's kind of up in the air. But uh, as of right now, I don't have any plans for it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I love how Vince is is worried about spoiling a uh, a, a graphic novel that's based on a hundred and seventy year old novel. That I'm oh, sure but like the devil's in the details, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I certainly mind the. Um, you know the the seeds of that story, but I I think I veered off the track enough that it that you know is is hopefully different enough to where it will leave people surprised. Absolutely, yeah, very much so. Right. Yes. Well, why don't we why don't we start with because I do think it is interesting that you have the this three book deal. How how does I don't know of anyone else. I don't recall of hearing about humanoids doing this kind of agreement with anyone else yet. So maybe you're blazing a trail. But how did that come to be? Like how did you how did you land at Humanoids and then end up walking out with a, a multi-year, multi-book deal? Yeah, um, as uh, as far as I know, as I was told, it's the first and only time they've done it thus far. I don't know if that you know paves the way for more, hopefully. But um, how it all came to be was, uh, you know, I had been wanting to to start writing my own stuff as well. Um, you know, I love I love the collaboration of comics, but there is something I, I always use this uh, analogy. It's kind of like Working with a writer is like having someone pick out your clothes for you, whereas 
when you write and draw yourself, it's like you're picking out your your best outfit for a job interview or your first date or something like that. You know, like you kind of put your best foot forward and the way you feel most confident. Um, and also there's the aspect of like, then somebody else doesn't get all the credit for the clothes you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I had the idea for the book. Uh, I love, I love revenge stuff as a genre, right? Like I love John Wick. I love taken, you know, man on fire, all that stuff. And, uh, and I was thinking about revenge stories and I was like, Count of Monte Cristo has to be like the, the granddaddy of all of these, right? It's yes. certainly one of the progenitors of the genre. Yep. Um, so then I thought, well, how do you make that cool? And I was like, oh, what if it was like a sci-fi thing, right? And that kind of got the ball rolling. Um, so from there, I just started putting together a pitch and sort of like slowly building it in my head. And uh, I put together a, a a pretty detailed like multi-page PDF that had character designs and some of the world building stuff and the and the plot outline and all that. And, uh, you know, I'd work on that as I was doing work for higher stuff. And then... Um, I, I just so happened that, you know, I was going to start pitching it around and uh, I actually was going to pitch it at Vertigo. But then, you know, we all know where that happened, went. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, around the same time, an editor who was at Humanoids at the time, a guy named Fabrice Sapolsky, who people would probably know from uh, uh, Spider-Man Noir. He was the writer of that back when they were doing those. Um, he, he had approached me about drawing one of their like shared universe books from this thing they were launching. And I, I couldn't do it scheduling wise. And I said, but hey, you know, I've, I've got some I'd like to pitch if you're interested. And he said, yeah, you know, send it to me. So I did. And uh, he had hired, you know, he was hired on, I think, as like a senior editor. And he started to assemble a team of a, a bunch of people. And among them was Mark Wade. As, I believe he was like an editorial consultant initially before they promoted him to publisher. Um, and Mark was, a, you know, really, really great, like in, in championing, championing the book. Um, like, you know, as he told me, he said, you guys need to sign this yesterday. So he's really responsible for, you know, selling them on the idea. And then, you know, once we got the ball rolling and he was, uh, made publisher, um, he reached out to me about, you know, Hey, how would you feel about, you know, signing a a multi-book deal with us? Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty much how that came about. And, uh, I gotta tell you, it was pretty dope because you know we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants in this industry most of the time so have a little job security was you know a very cool thing yeah man that's incredible that's incredible i you know we've always been big fans of humanoids and then with with wade taking over and doing that shared universe it 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 seems and i don't know with covid it's hard to handicap these things but it seems like that that has been a bit of a a slow starter you know like the the books didn't didn't pick up a lot of steam. And then I think obviously with the COVID shutdown and the delays, and I think humanoids didn't put anything out for four or five months as a result of all that, it, it kind of just hasn't really gotten the momentum. So in a way, maybe, maybe the cosmic God smiled upon you because instead of, of getting involved in that, where there were things hindering its momentum beyond any of your control, you got to do your own thing. And now you have a multi-year leash to tell your own stories. That's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It was it was definitely, you know, and the book did get delayed due to COVID, but I'm honestly glad it did because, you know, if it had come out, uh, I think last September was when it was supposed to hit, you know, who knows what kind of fumbling that would have been. So, yeah, it's uh, and it's actually, uh, funnily enough, it's coming out on my birthday on March 16th. So that's right. Kind of a nice little bit of, uh, you know, confluence of cool stuff there. So respect, respect. <laughs> So, so it's an adaptation, as I think our listeners have already gathered, uh, 
at least in its um, in its spirit on the Count of Monte Cristo, um, which is a book that was written back in the 1840s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I have to say, you know, you already mentioned that it, it you, you certainly, um, you know, you, you take the, the 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 kernels of the idea and then and then make it your own. I think that's very true. And when you when you first when I first saw this book announced, I thought, how in the hell is he going to do this? Because like, for those that haven't read this, I don't know if they still make people read it in high school, or whatever, but like, it is an incredibly long book. <laughs> and, right. yeah. and, and, and I would, and, and no disrespect, cause I'm assuming you're very much a fan of the book because you, why would you have adapted it? Otherwise I, I think it's a book doesn't stay in the classics must read for 200 years. If there isn't a lot going for it, but I, I must say, I, I think the the original source material is relatively dry. I mean, there really isn't. Whereas, like the the films and your your book and your book count have a ton of action in it. I, the original source material is 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 almost like a psychological revenge thriller more than anything. I mean, there's not a ton of action in it. It's it's not like a uh, you know this is not an action movie waiting to happen. So I, I very much appreciate as a as a fan. The fact that you were able to tell an action-packed story, but it's still remarkable to me that you you basically told the Count of Monte Cristo in a new form in 120 pages because it's what like an 1100 page book, I think the Underbridge version, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. huge. Yeah. Were yeah. you a big fan of the book? Like, did you did you read it in high school and just always remember it, or what? 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 what like, what? What was the reason that this was the kernel of the idea? The uh, the the 2002 uh, Jim Caviezel Guy Pierce movie was my gateway to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a big fan of, and still am, uh, the Mask of Zorro. Right? I, like, I think that's a perfect movie. And uh, <laughs> I remember being at a blockbuster video and looking at the back of it, and they had, um, you know, on their like slip sleeve in house, you know, movie shell things. It would be like fans of this might enjoy or something like that, and it had the Count of Monte Cristo on it. And, or maybe it was vice versa. I think that was the case. And I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And I watched the movie and I loved it. And that led me to eventually seek out the book. And, I, you know, I, I, to be quite honest with you, like, I don't have time to read an 1100 page book. So I found an audio version of it <laughs> to mm-hmm. digest while I was, while I was drawing. But um, yeah, you're right, man. It's, it's, it is pretty dry. That's the word I would use for sure. Like it's, it's very soap operatic. I think Dumas was getting paid by the word, right? So it's like, it's super, super long and decompressed, but it is a very cool, you know, like sort of long form character piece and, you know, twists and turns and, and, you know, this, this huge ensemble cast and, um, but, and, and it seems like it should have a lot of action in it, but it really doesn't. I think there's maybe like one sword fight at the very end of the original book. Yeah. So yeah, I was just like, well, what if this was like cool, I guess, (laughs) you know, it's kind of my my (laughs) approach to it. I think the best thing to spiral out of the book was the uh, the sandwich, the Monte Cristo. I've, you know, I've never <laughs> had one, but I've, yeah, I don't think I have either. It. Oh, delicious! Yeah, yeah. But I w- <laughs> I will say that um, when a writer, in this case, a writer artist, can bring me to the point of hate, I'm like a tick. I I burrow in. And I will not put down whatever it is I'm reading until the object of my hatred is gone. And in this case, the villain of of uh, Count was, um, well, I just wanted to see this person dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and, and it was, uh, it, it actually propelled me through the book. Um, not that, uh, that was a, a difficult thing to do because with your beautiful art and I, I thought you, the pacing was great. Uh, I was riveted until I was satisfied and what a satisfying, uh, scene. We won't get into it, but, um, you, you really paid it off. Uh, it was, it was a wonderful, uh, demise let's just say and i was like yes I, the son of a bitch is dead you know uh oh, so kudos to you man. kudos thank to you. you that means a lot vince no I, it was that yeah i was i was sweating it there like i you know I, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. bad guy when done well you know yeah okay it, it rouses the spirit and it, it it plugs us into the narrative and we want to see the good guy win i mean we're only human right but in this case i thought the the villain was so despicable and disturbing and disgusting that, uh, uh, yeah, well, well, we'll get into it. But uh, well done, sir. Well done. Thank you, man. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So so the um, – I, I think like the beginning of, of, of the – of Count is, is, you know, kind of on the nose with, with, with the start of the novel, right? Or, or the movie. Cause right. Because I – I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I, I do think I remember the movie reasonably well. Um, but the one thing I noticed right away is that because I, I I knew it was an adaptation, but you 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 seem to have a completely different um, set of of like world building, even to the point where all the characters are uh, you know have t- totally different names. So that I, I got to know like what what prompted you to name some of the characters which you did like like the the protagonist is named and I don't even know if I'm saying it right like Red Zen Red R E D X. Red Zan, yeah. Red Zan, yeah. So, 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 why Red Zan? Because that that is to me not uh, like I obviously you didn't name him Edmund Dantes, which is the character right. from the book. So, well, you know, part of it was a little bit um, I don't know if I would call it self serving, but like my I have a name that's very hard for people to pronounce, <laughs> and so <laughs> you know I was like you know let's normalize weird names uh, in this book. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, the, but with with his name specifically, his name is Red Zan Samud, right and what I did is I took Dumas and just made it backwards for his last name. Right. And then okay. for Red Zan, it's just kind of an, uh, a, you know, mixing around of Xander, which is short for Alexander Dumas. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so that was just me just playing with that as kind of a, a nod to the source material. And then, yeah, for the rest of it, I kind of, I, you know, I didn't, I just listened to the Philip Kennedy Johnson episode a couple of days ago. And I, I certainly didn't do anything as, as in depth as he did with, uh, with the last God in terms of like, you know, making a language and all that cool stuff. <laughs> we're not, we're not getting a source guy. No, not on this one, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did try You know, I tried to put myself in a headspace of like, okay, well, you know, if this is kind of a different world, I don't really name it in the book, obviously, but you know, what, what makes it different? Cause it, it's always weird to me when you read something that's kind of like a sci-fi or fantasy thing. And you got a guy named like Brian. You know? <laughs> 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 so I didn't want to do any of that. And then I just kind of, sort of set an arbitrary set of rules for myself and then just kind of followed them. So there's a lot of similar sounds within the names and, and stuff like that. Um, and then I just kind of played around with the different consonants until I came up with stuff that I felt sounded good to me, essentially. But as far as the world building stuff, I, I kind of, you know, there's there's a lot of like floating stuff in this. There's like, you know, hovering islands and vehicles that hover and things like that. And um, the logic behind that was, you know, okay i i love that kind of imagery like things that float i just think it looks cool so i was like well how how would that work and then i thought well 
it's got to be some kind of relationship between like the polarity of these objects, right? So the further away something hovers from the ground is it, you know, due to the re- amount of reverse polarity between the two, you know, the object itself and the, and the whatever kind of, you know, magnetic forces are within this, this planet that they're on. Right. Um, so from there I thought, okay, well then that wouldn't necessitate like a, like an industrial revolution that's based on like a combustion engine, right. Cause they don't need it. So maybe they're, uh, industrial revolution was based around that harnessing of that polarity right so mm. um that that's kind of the basis for all those things and then there's also a bit about like light in the society like they kind of refer to somewhat like religious things in the context of lights shining and you know may your light shine bright and that mm. kind of um so it's all sort of based on those ideas of these kind of glowing and floating and you know light and all that stuff see i'm in so in love with you right now um, <laughs> I was going to say Vince is getting turgid. Yeah, it's 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 disturbing how excited I am because that's the chain of inquiry, right? You're asking yourself questions. You're you're probing and plumbing the depths or, or the heights in some cases. I I love it when you you go in and you just knock down walls and say, "What's behind this thing? Let's see." Right? Let's 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 delineate this world. And uh, uh but please, uh there there are things in here that I think are very very topical, very current. Uh, mm-hmm. with the villain, and I'm hoping that his name is Onazi. Oh, you know, I almost don't want to say because that's a cool reading of it. <laughs> because, In my because, head it was Onaxis. Right, because I, I was thinking cool Nazi too. because he's very, right. very concerned about the pure blood, right? right. He's, he's, he, he thinks himself above others because he's one of noble uh, supposedly or pure pure birth pure blood and he looks down upon uh samud because he's a, a lowborn he's a commoner right commoner, yeah. and the fact that um i'm just going to call him onazi uh yeah. that <laughs> he he wants uh samud's uh girl uh maris and uh the the thing that really got me was that Red Sand in the beginning has the world on a string, man. He's he's living the dream. He 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 his daring deeds saved the ship, right? He's promoted to captain, which enables him to marry. And Maris is all, oh, this is the best day ever, and let's tell Daddy. And and you know, um, everything's working, everything's fitting into place. And the next day, uh, Red Sand goes to work, and his life is destroyed. His literally the next day, his life is just kaput, and it's amazing that uh, because that's how the you know that's how the the world works, right? Right. And I thought, wow, that is a really number one. It's a gut punch, right? But it also propels the narrative down that dark road. But it is very in keeping with the way this universe works. Everything's random and chaotic, and just when you think you know you're you're everything's all sunshine and roses, along comes. Uh, you know, a trumped-up charge of smuggling contraband for a a, a coup attempt. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it can happen in the blink of an eye, right? I mean, we see it all the time, and yeah. uh, you know, we, we we all know how screwed up our legal system is, and there's there's sort of you know there's two versions of it for for two different groups of right. people, and yeah. and so yeah, I I really wanted to tap into that with this and. I think that's one of the things that makes that that book so enduring. You know, the original is that it's this 
you know, the, the themes in it are timeless and you can really, you know, just shift the prism to, you know, shine the light of modern day through it and it still works. And that was a big part of why I, I wanted to explore that is because, you know, like, I mean, really this, and, and the book doesn't take place, you know, in any sort of like rec- world that we recognize. And so, you know, my intent was that it remains kind of a timeless thing in that way um, to try to kind of echo what Dumas did with his. Right. Yeah. You do some cool, I mean, I, I would imagine they were intentional things in terms of the interpretation, like when, um, while he's in the prison and he meets his eventual mentor, tutor, Acer in your book, um, you know, you make him a, you make him a black man, which I loved. Right. Cause obviously in, in Dumas is where that would have never been the case. Right. He was an right. Italian priest. Um, Another thing I, I I noticed, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but um, in the in the novel, it's 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 really religious. I think. Well, I shouldn't say really religious, but in the sense that a lot of the motivation in the novel is based on the God's will, right? I mean, right. He 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 is uh, for the, for those that don't know the book, he's he's in this prison, you know, the, the uh, Dief D apostrophe F, and and he's stuck there, and then this 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 Italian priest. Um, ends up befriending him and helping him escape and training him and everything. And then, and then throughout the book, all of this, this time he spends on this revenge plot, which in the book is like 20 years, you know, cause he escapes. He's at 10 years of kind of going off and doing the Batman thing where he goes off and creates this new identity. And then he shows back up and then he spends all these years subsequent to that getting revenge. You know, it's, he's always like completely certain that what he's doing is, is appropriate. And it's God's will. Which is interesting because then by by proxy, especially at the time it was written, like it would have been a very vengeful God, like vengeful Christian God to have him being driven by this. And then the the movie is far less religious, I think, for obvious reasons. Ironic, though, that Jim Caviezel was the star. <laughs> yeah, <'cause>, right. He's <laughs> yeah. doing the most religious mainstream movie ever. And, and then he's in a religious your, guy it, himself, too. He yeah, is, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and then in your, your in, in, in Count, there, there really is nary any kind of religious overtone and, and – um, you know, I think we're anyone that listens to the show knows that the three of us aren't men of faith. So, I mean, I, I certainly noticed the, the, the progression. I don't know if, if you remove the religious overtones like purposely or it was more just because, you know, you're, you're, you needed to slim down the 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 parts of, of the story to make it flow. I, I don't know. if it, I guess a long winded way of asking, was it purposeful or was it just it didn't feel right in the setting? Yeah, no, it was it was very very much intentional i'm i'm with you guys on that in that regard i'm not a religious individual um you know shout out to people who who find comfort in the faith you know i i, I envy you <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah my my it was important for me to kind of highlight the idea that like you have to do what's right because it's the right thing to do right and and there's a uh i mean that's you know, I'm a big, big Superman guy, and uh, you know, I've always loved the goody two-shoe leadership characters and stuff, and and that has always kind of, you know, corny as it may sound, been a, a you know, inspiration point for me in life of just like you just do it because you ought to, you know, and uh, and so I wanted to carry some of that through, um, and also, you know, there's sort of a, a I kind of have like some subtext in there with the title almost works as a double entendre because there's a lot about making it count, making your chances count, everyone counts, you know? Um, so yeah, that was kind of the intent behind all that. 
I deciphered that um, the fact that here we have a, a, a civilization that isn't bound by religion. Uh, I found it very hopeful and very optimistic um, a, a, a take because um, these beings have obviously evolved past the need for um, you know a, a magic sky babysitter. Right. <laughs> and, and and no, that to me, that's like, wow, this is this is a, a hopeful future, even though there's a lot of of backstabbing and well, people will be people, but right. they've shed the need to have uh, to be accountable to something that they can't see or, you know, which uh, that works very, very well for me. Yeah, I um, I appreciate how we're not necessarily hit over the head with the passage of time. Obviously you do the tricks where he shows up at the, um, at the div and, and, and he's got the buzz cut and then slowly the hair grows, the beard grows longer. And, and, and we see with the tunnel and the digging that, that obviously this doesn't happen over the course of a weekend, but um, you know, and then you start to slowly see the hair grow gray a little bit. And, and I, I, I appreciate that. We're not, like I said, we're not hit over the head with, you know, trying to figure out, well, is this really, would this really be 20 years? It's just, it's, it's, you just, you know, you're just, you're looking at it visually. You can tell that, uh, that, that, that time has obviously gone on and, and we are just focusing on him because it, you know, part of you, well, part of me when, when there are some stories where, uh, when things are revealed, you, you kind of expect things, but but you're hoping that it's not the case. And there's a pretty big reveal here um, for Redson where, um, you know, I was kind of I was hoping that it wouldn't be the case when, when it was. But it was still to see how that ends up um, playing out and, and, and the, uh, the actions uh, our hero has to take. Um, it's 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 punched the gut and, and it's. I just, I was really, um, there's so many, it's, it's weird. There, there are some scene changes because obviously we're, we, we start off at, at, at the start where he's saving the day and now all of a sudden he's promoted to captain and then don't get too comfortable with that because now he's in jail for, for a good chunk of, of, uh, of the beginning of the book. And, and then we're following him as he's, uh, trying to, change things for, for, for the better and, and, and exact his revenge. But, um, I just, I was, I couldn't stop reading it just because it was so, um, it just, it kept moving forward. Like there was, I, it's one of those things where I was almost, you really didn't let me catch my breath. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times where, you know, it's, it's, there are some quiet moments, especially when, when he's talking to, uh, to Acer and, and he's, you know, there are times where the, the the mood is calm and solemn, but it's it's uh, you just you kept you kept it moving and and uh, it was very easy. Well, as I say, I'll, I'll turn the page when I get the book at the beginning of April. But I mean, it was really it was I just I just kept swiping as as I'm reading this PDF, and it's just it 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 steady moves, and I I really really enjoyed it on that regard. Oh, thank you, man. That means a lot. Yeah, you know, I I. I I tried to pace it like a movie, right? Because I kind of 
you know, and, and this isn't, you know, I hope no one mistakes that for me, like this being a movie pitch or something, because it's very much a comic and, you know, that's where my love lies and all that. Um, but I, I really enjoy the experience of like just sitting down and watching a great movie. And I wanted to kind of emulate that with the pacing of this book. And so I, I tried to kind of, you know, go for that same kind of act structure and, you know, the same sort of punctuation of, of, you know, ups and downs throughout it. Um, because I, I was, you know, my hope is that it, someone can sit down and just, you know, read it in, in one sitting and feel like they just, you know, ate a meal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think they can get that. Absolutely. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think there are some choices you make, like you, your book is definitely more, um, like, I mean, I think the re- I'm not I'm trying to be vague here, but the reveal of who the of who sin is, I'm mm-hmm. saying that right, like C.Y.N. Yeah, that is, you know, that's like, oh, shit, <laughs> because it's like it's tragic on a lot of levels. Right. Like, you know, and you're like, oh, damn, because and that's a needless to say, I mean, but that's a nothing like that happens in the in, right in, in the book uh but but i'm like oh damn you know like it's it's <laughs> i was like oh man no you didn't so um yeah and then the other cool thing is I, I mean i assume um like i assume the robot idea but i like the the role of it was was at least partially trying to be like a futuristic version of of of, of jacopo right like is that kind of the like like his right hand man is, or was it completely at, like NF at, like separate from from that? Because uh, I always love that character. That's why. Yeah, it was it was a little of both, right? Like, I mean, in the in the movie, Luis Guzman plays that yeah. character, and yeah. he's just a absolute delight. <laughs> so, like, uh, when he buys you know, the ma- the mansion from the from yeah. Lord, yeah, it's great. And when he tries to talk sense into him, like, you can just go, you can do whatever you want, like, you don't need to do this, you know. Um, but a lot of it was I, I didn't want to do internal dialogue in this book. Um, and you know, cause I think, I think I love, I love that as a, as a story device. Um, but I'm no Frank Miller, so I didn't want to like, you know, trip on my own, you know? <laughs> so, um, so a lot of the function of Aru, the, the robot was to give him a sidekick to sort of bounce off of. Right. Um, and then, uh, and just because I love robots, I think they're awesome. <laughs> so, and then I thought, okay, well, obviously, if I'm going to make this character, he's got to have an arc. And then that that was sort of the, you know, he ends up becoming a lot more important. He, he ended up becoming a lot more important than I had anticipated when I thought, I should put a cool robot on this, right? Like, um, and so, uh, yeah, it was kind of a happy accident in that way, too. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted him to have a sidekick and someone to kind of like, you know, neg him whenever he had like stupid ideas, right? Or you know, like someone to tell him, dude, you're you're getting carried away here, you know. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, I mean, without again, without giving away the 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 big twists, or he he ends up becoming a huge part of of the story, much beyond arguably as important in terms of the way you leave leave things as 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 uh, as Red Zan himself, right? I mean, in terms of the future of this world, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really well done, man. Like I said, I, I think that the uh, I think it's no I I it, it I I don't know how many people that are gonna read this are familiar with the source material, you know, or at least have read the the book. Um Right. Um and I think that number one, they don't need to. I think this totally stands on its own. Like you don't like there's 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 nothing to be 
there's no loss of, of enjoyment for this book if you haven't read the source material or even seen the films or whatever, um, which is great. But then also, um, I think that if anyone is familiar with the book, like again, I think people are going to be blown away because I, I, I just think adapting something is hard full stop, but like adapting something this massive and this intricate and being able to slice away the... I don't want to see superfluous because that's an insult to the man's work. Like I, I'm sure he wouldn't have thought most of his 1100 pages were superfluous, but to, to get it down to its core and its essence, and then also have to amp up the action so that it's engaging and more suitable to a visual medium. I don't know. That's, that, that, that's no small feat. Like I think you're setting your, I don't know what you've got planned for the second humanoids book, but, uh, but you're setting a high bar for yourself. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very worried about that. No. <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually I'm halfway through my next book right now, and uh, it's a totally different thing. Um, and uh, I, I hope people dig it. It's a I, it's probably too early to say. I, I know I hate to be that guy who's like, oh, I can't talk about it. But um, well, screw it. It's a uh, it's kind of like a, a espionage meets a time travel sort of thing, which Dude. which may sound a little close to tenet which i was very worried about when tenet got announced i was like wait what <laughs> but luckily it's they don't share any uh any dna so nice um but uh now jason i i i'm wondering if you noticed uh the ship designs in the book well they you mean that they they look somewhat like mechanical whales yes yeah man of <laughs> course i, I noticed that. sure yeah, yeah. dude and I was yeah. a big, I was really into whales when I was little. And so, you know, that was part of the, it was, I was designing them. I thought, okay, well, you know, sort of back to that world building bit, like a lot of the stuff we do is based on, you know, the combustion engine and how, and how do you build a thing around that? And since that wasn't a factor for this society, I thought, okay, well, what makes sense to them? Right. So then you have a, you know, ships that go over the water. So they, you know, sort of emulated whales and like the pirate ship that shows up is like based on a, a goblin shark. Um, so I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, anyway, I was like, I, I thought about it after I sent it to you. I was like, Oh, I bet Jason would dig the, the oh, whale for sure, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny though, because I have to say like, I thought that, but then I thought it might've been my imagination just cause I have a whale fighter. So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you validated it. <laughs> there's a quite, there's a sentence you don't hear every day. It may have been my imagination cause I have a whale fetish. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gotta be me, right? It's true, those, yeah. But you know, and, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice when you uh, compared yourself to Philip Kennedy Johnson. You say, "Well, I don't have a Bible for this stuff." You do have a Bible; it's in your head. I mean, you've you've thought all this stuff out. You you've gone through the permutations, and um, there is deep mythology in this thing. And I, I you know, call me crazy. As I was going through it, thank you. As I was going through it, I'm thinking, all right, I'm feeling a little bit of Trigon Empire here, right? I'm I'm feeling a little bit of Meta Barons, um, maybe sure. a smattering of Dune here and there. In that you have it, massive scene changes, right? It the, the story hops around from you know the the uh, the ship in the beginning to the prison to the the uh, finding. Um, uh, the Aru. Aru, yeah, and it's just uh, 
the 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 flight technology, the ship technology, the 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 the, the floating islands and stuff, and it's like, man, there's a lot of thought going into this. You don't spell it out like there's not a data card that comes out of everything that say, oh, you know, ship. This is what it's powered by, and this is uh, how they build them and where they build. Like there's none of that, like pop up uh, video type stuff. But the work is there on the page. It, it, if it if it can it's you can convince the, the, the reader that this stuff is real. You are a very successful liar, right? And that's what great illustration is about, being a, a really good liar, right? And I think that this story is convincing as hell without the data sheets and the, the you know, the, the uh, D&D uh, manual that I respect that <laughs> stuff. That's great, you know, it, and it's, it's wonderful for the fantasy genre because part and parcel, those things go well together. But, uh, you know, you don't have a metamorphosis odyssey type, you know, guidebook for this thing where it's, you know, everything's spelled out. It, the, the work is on the page, but it's not crammed on our throats, which I thought was great. It allows us the mind to wander, right, to kind of, uh, you know, imagine how these uh, this tech came to be and, and what, you know, this prison was uh, many years ago. I just thought it was great. I, I, I think there's a, a very, very deep um world building uh slash mythology to this book thanks man you know i i i definitely appreciate those aspects of other stories right and and uh i definitely wanted this to feel like a lived in world you know like i right. wanted it to be dirty and you know kind of like like very tangible in that way and you know i i'm i'm remiss in not not mentioning him earlier but brad simpson the colorist uh oh, yeah. on this book mm-hmm. It's just incredible. I mean, this is, uh, you know, every page he sent was just like, yep, thanks, Brad. This is amazing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I mean, aside from logistical stuff where I've, oh, this will show up later. So it needs to be, you know, this color or something like that. Like I, it was, I was, I just sat back and just feasted my eyes on my inbox. Like, uh, especially the, like the skies that he paints in this right. book are just incredible. Cause I mean, those uh, save for a few clouds like those were just white spaces right and he just comes in and makes these like sweeping vistas like just oh it's incredible so yeah big 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 shout out to brad and and hassan the letter as well he does mm-hmm. a lot of really cool stuff with you know the storytelling like he was you know he like like the scene where red zan gets arrested um and he's kind of like what what did i do you know Hassan made the, the the tail on the word balloons like squiggly for stuff like that to kind of help, you know, further the storytelling that he's in distress, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, those guys really brought a ton to this book, and I was so incredibly lucky to get to collaborate with them. Uh, Brad, I met through mutual friends like Ramon Villalobos and, and Nick Dragata um, and Justin Greenwood, and they said, oh, yeah, hit up Brad, you know, for, for colors. And then Haas, I've just known through you know, the internet and, uh, as he emerges, like one of the, the finer letterers in the industry, like, uh, so we were really, really fortunate to get those guys on there. Yeah. That's awesome. How, how long did it take you to, to do this? Cause I, I assume, like you said, you were coming up with the formative parts of it as you were doing work for hire over the years, but, but once you did, once you got the green light, how, how long did it take you to get it done? Uh, birth to earth. This thing was like, I want to say I, I wrote it in, a, in two weeks. Because I had I had part part of the pitch was that, you know, because I was I hadn't written a, written a ton of stuff. So they were kind of like, 
you know, uh, can you give us a little more? So I wrote essentially a treatment, right? Like a, like a beat sheet where it's just like, as if I had just seen the movie and told you every scene from it. Right. Um, and so that helped me figure out a lot of the finer points. Uh, and then once that was, you know, got the green light, I just sat down and, you know, wrote, I think I wrote like 10 to 12 pages a day on average. Um, yeah, so I wrote it, I think I wrote it in, in 10 days, I want to say like, like full script because, you know, I'm so used to drawing these things that I was like, well, you tell me I just get to sit around and, and type all day, like <laughs> fucking it, you know? <laughs> so, um, but, uh, and then drawing it, um, I, I think I, I, I want to say I took a break between writing and drawing it to do, I did like a moon Knight annual, uh, with Colin Bunn over at Marvel. Um, and then, so I drew that and then I got back to working on count and I, I drew it from, I believe like October to April. So I think it was about seven months in total to, to draw the whole thing. That's not bad. You're pretty fast, man. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's almost it, like an issue a month pace. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're long days, right? I'm kind of a workaholic and that's part of the, you know, <laughs> hey, you're, in, you're, in, you're, in, are you still, in, I mean, I was going to say you're a newlywed, but I guess it's been like three years. So maybe you're not, you're technically out of the newlywed phase, but <laughs> right. got to keep that wife happy though. Yeah. Well, you know, she, uh, I mean, I'm so fortunate in so many ways because of her, but, uh, you know, being wonderful, but also she's like super chill and like, Hey, you got to get your work done. You know what I mean? Like she never, nice. we have a really great relationship ship in that way. Like she doesn't, you know, take it personally. If I cool, have to cool. spend long hours at the board and she, uh, up until last fall was working graveyard shift. Uh, she's a nurse. So, right, right. um, you know, there were three, four day stretches where we wouldn't really see each other anyway, other than in passing. So, you know, that, that helps in terms of productivity because, you know, uh, she's asleep so yeah <laughs> what am i gonna not, do you know? not to take this into tangent but i've forgotten that your wife is in there so has it been was it just crazy times this last year for you guys i mean uh, and and is she are you feeling like you're coming back to some sense of normalcy i assume she's been vaccinated and all that at this point yeah she's been vaccinated she she actually went in on christmas for her first dose and then had her second one a couple weeks ago thankfully mm-hmm. um we've been incredibly fortunate man i mean she she's an oncology nurse so okay they, yeah they keep her patients as far away from sure covid as possible so um yeah and i mean i you know I, I know a lot of other comics folks are in a similar boat and that like i don't go anywhere anyway so <laughs> <laughs> you know and i've been cutting my own hair for 20 years so like you know this is just like i've, I've been i've been ready for this moment my entire life you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah if that's uh, one thing i i learned during the pandemic is that uh it's 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 cutting my own hair um <laughs> And it's, I can only imagine, I mean, I feel bad that the, I should Venmo my old barber just a few bucks, just so, you know, I feel bad that, uh, taking that from her, but still, um, the, uh, regarding process, how, um, knowing that you're obviously inking your own work, how, how de- were these loose sketches you were drawing or were, were you, are, are your pencils when you're inking yourself, how, how tight? Are you doing double the work basically? Like, are you are you penciling tight and then going over that in the inks, or do you just do you work mostly in inks like like a lot of other artists do? I try to, man, but I just I can't. There's something that happens to me where I just get carried away, right? So what what I'll do is I I do pretty tight digital layouts first, and then I send those you know to editorial for approval and notes and stuff like that. Um, 
And that's where a lot of the planning, you know, pretty much all the planning happens. Um, and then from there, I'll print out those, you know, in like a light cyan and magenta. You know, I usually do them two-tone for like foreground background elements and stuff like that. And then I usually end up doing pretty, you know, somewhat loose pencils, but tight enough to where it's like a lot of extra work <laughs> that I'm trying to figure out how to get around, uh, you know, getting better at not doing uh, drawing it three times. Um, and then the inks is where I, I, you know, I really tighten it up. And then I started doing ink washes on this book. Um, so, you know, that, that's not too much extra time. Um, but you know, I, I found that that there was something always kind of missing for me until I started doing washes. And then I was like, Oh, that's why I was, I always felt like it wasn't done yet. Um, cause when I first started, uh, trying to get, you know, better at drawing comics, I was obsessed with Alex Ross. Like he was, his art was the gateway for me. I'd read comics as a little kid and then I, you know, I kind of fell away from them as I grew up and then. Smallville hit the air and I was like, oh yeah, I've always loved Superman. And then somebody got me a book with his, uh, it had his art on, you know, inside of it. It was like a book on Superman. And I was just like, oh my God, you can do this. <laughs> so I went down the painting road first. And so now with the, the ink washes, like I, it feels more at home cause I'm used to moving wet mediums around with, you know, watercolor brushes in that way. So. Oh, Cliff just took a drink. A friend of ours is all about the watercolors. Nice. Um, the uh, that it just, you saying talking about that it it just reminded me of um, seeing Matt Wagner do the airbrushing in the first Mage series, and I'm like, this is amazing. I want to get an airbrush kit, and right. and, and it's how I want you know because if I I want to I want to teach myself and you know if i if i could do i figured it's it's the tools the tools is what's good never, never thought you know <laughs> hey i should have the talent to actually but it's, it's all the tools man i just i have this and i'll be able to do the best shit ever but obviously that, that that's not how things work but um no it just absolutely i hear that's i i hear what you're saying and it just it 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 absolutely clicks i i do have and, and i may have mentioned this when when i discussed uh savage things way back when i don't think i ever asked you on um on Twitter, but, and, and your style, I don't want to, it's hard to say your style because this looks different than Jaeger, which looked different than high crimes, which, which looks different again than, than savage things. But, um, I, I have to know if, um, if Mark Bright is an influence. Honestly, I, I don't know that I could pick his work out of a lineup. I, okay. I'm no, and that's fine. Name, but, right, yeah. and I, because he hasn't done any. I mean, it's it's um, uh, Iron Man back from the Denny O'Neill days, Green Lantern, oh, okay. the, John, the John Stewart issues, uh, Icon. He, he he drew Icon for. for oh, Miles okay. So I, it, but there are especially and, and a little bit of Mahmoud Asrar is what I, I kind of envision when I when I'm reading your work. But it's just I I see the faces, I see the chins, I see the noses, and there's just there's something about it. Where I'm like it just and and I am a huge mark bright mark and and to see you know the the dude who you know drew the last issues of power man iron fist and things like that and to see to see something today in in the sense of of count remind me of work i loved in in the late 80s and into the 90s it's um again i mean the story is cool and and i dig the concept but but the way the way you you've drawn it um it 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 hits it, it's ticking off all the boxes for me, but at that, I could, I could try to get, I could try to talk to somebody about 
this and why I would recommend count, but a lot of how, what I'm feeling about it is all is all personal and 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 what it kind of how it's affecting me. Not necessarily like oh, it's the best story you'll ever read because of this, this, and this. No, it's it's the best story I'll ever read because of what it's making me feel as 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 I'm reading it. But it's um, I just it's it's I mean even I'm. Swiping pages now, and I still, I, I'm still thinking. You know that that reminds me of of Rocket. That reminds me of uh, of Luke Cage. It's just, it's, it's, and and because of of your age, I'm like, I don't even know. And and you answered it. I wouldn't even know if if unless you were digging through back issues or came across a comic here or there. Um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's not like MD Bright's been been doing anything for the past like five six years. So you're not you're you're only going to see his name on things if you are buying older Marvel epic collections or digging through back issues. Well, I'll definitely look it up, man. And, you know, thank you for the kind words like that. That always means a lot to me when, you know, something I do might like evoke a happier memory of something else, even if I'm not aware of it, you know, and that's, it's, it's cool. I've actually discovered a lot of great art based on people saying like, Oh, this reminds me of such and such. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Let me look it up. You know? Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned Mahmoud Asrar, like, big fan of his stuff. And I think I think probably what you're seeing is that, you know, we I'm sure he and I share a, a mutual love of Stuart Eminem. Um, I think he's probably yeah. the branch on the tree and we're the, you know, Mahmoud is the the branch coming off of that. And I'm like the twig that is coming off of that branch, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. I remember when we chatted a few years ago for the for the interview, you um I was like you. You have a you take inspiration from a hell of a lot of different artists, which is cool. Like I think that's cool. Like you, I remember you were a big Toth fan, John Paulione, Zafino. So I assume uh, you know. I, I assume you take inspiration from lots of different styles and integrate it into your work, which is cool. Yeah, man. I'll you know I love the the process of osmosis with this stuff. Right, I'll soak it up wherever I can get it. Um, and there's nothing like seeing art that you really love, and then. I mean, sometimes even after a 12-hour day of drawing, you know, I might try to wind down and read a comic or, or just look at, you know, some cool art on Instagram or something And it, it when I'm going to bed. And it makes me go, damn it, I want to get up and draw again, you know, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> you know, it hurts my it hurts my heart. And I'm sure I speak for Dap and Vince, too. Like, we, we've, we know people in the industry or we've had people on as guests and, like, they just don't read anymore, you know. And, and, and it's kind of always couched like, oh, I'm just so busy. And... I always cringe at that because, well, I, I t- I'm not going to suggest that they're lying. I mean, obviously, people get busy, but like we're all busy. You know, I, I, I have I have a lot of things. We all have a lot of things, and like it's it, reading comics is our passion. And I, I guess someone likened it to me. It's like being, you know, a gynecologist looking at 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 you know, Pern isn't exactly as exciting <laughs> for a gynecologist because you you see it every all day every day. But like it's good to I just I it warms my heart every time we have a friend on or a creator on that uh, that that does still enjoy reading comics because it bums me out like that you could get to the get to the big the big show and and become part of the of the cosmic uh, soup of creating comics and then because of that you just don't want to read anymore and I, I in my mind it kind of like breaks the circuitry because I wonder like well how do you continue to evolve and be part of the connected universe and feel inspiration. Um, but I mean, that's just my own personal interpretation. So it's not really fair to kind of 
put that burden of the way some uh, it's not fair to put that on every creator and say if you don't read comics anymore you can't be as creative but but i i it just bums me out when i hear that creators aren't making the time or don't have the interest in reading in the medium anymore you know so oh for sure man and i mean look i've i've fallen victim to that too like it's uh it is a thing, and, and it, it may not just be the busy factor. It may also be kind of what you were mentioning, right, where you're just absorbing this, you know, you're immersed in this medium for 70 hours a week, and then, yeah. like, what are you going to go do more? Like, I was, I remember I, I knew a guy who was in the Army, and he would come home and play Call of Duty, and I was like, D- bro, didn't you just do that? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is, like, a necessary thing to replenish that that well of creative inspiration right and sure honestly man i gotta shout out the three of you guys right here because you know like i said i mean i've been listening to the show for like a decade now and um it's a lot of a lot of the time if i can't consume comics like i sort of you know get it vicariously through your show and actually you know when you guys talk about stuff it it inspires me to then track it down right it's very flattering yeah oh absolutely man i mean you know and and it it helps kind of keep that flame burning when when i can't like tend to it with kindling myself right Mm. so um like right now i'm halfway through against hope um based on your recommendation and nice i've been to victor santos yeah he's great um i've been reading up on a bunch of ninjack recently um because i know know, (laughs) a a big thing on the show and for sure um, yeah, so you know it's it's really helpful in that way, and and also I got to say too, I realized when I was about to come on, literally every comic I've drawn, in some way, shape, or form, has been at least in part like to an eleven o'clock comic soundtrack. Wow. Damn, that's wild! Oh, right? we're up in here, Jesus! Dude, it I, is dusty now. I discovered this show like when I was first trying to break in, right? And and by then I think it had been going for probably a year or two. So there was yeah. like a just a, a huge backlog of episodes. So I'd get out my Henry Weinhardt's root beer and I'd sit down and I oh, would you know, <laughs> I would I would work on my pages and then I you know, at the time I had a, a, a job when I was working in a hotel restaurant doing like room service and, and working in the bar there and stuff. I I you know, I was like a working professional in sales and you know i was pretty young i was like 20 23 probably and i quit that so that i could work a job that you know i could get tips at so i could work fewer hours and dedicate more time to comics so i would draw from like 8 a.m to like 3 p.m when i had to go to work and then i worked from 4 to 11 4 to midnight something like that and then i'd come home and and you know maybe draw another hour or two go to sleep rinse and repeat and i did that for like five years wow and so you guys were like, you know, playing in the background. I, I discovered you and Suntress around the same time, and and Jason, you had mentioned Sidebar on one episode, and then so I went down that rabbit hole too. And oh, so, so yeah, I mean, literally every book I've done has been to you know the, your dulcet tones in in one form or another, which is pretty cool, full circle now for me. You know, that's awesome, man. That, that that's, is pretty it's awesome. So, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, and shout out to the Sidebar crew. Um, it was a sad day when they hung up their their microphones. Yeah. You know, yeah. We had a, Dap and I had a, had a fun. We had the chance before uh, before they hung them up to uh, do a collabo podcast, which you may remember. The, the Dap and I were at Heroes Vince could make it that year, but Dap and I and 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 their crew sat down and did a little collabo podcast that we cross posted on the, on both of our feeds. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, that was a great one. Well, rest assured, we will never hang up our microphones. 
Until we die, I mean. Well, well, yeah, I'm. I mean, it'll just morph into something else. But yeah, you've got three, four years left. No, I'm pure evil. I'm never going. So, (laughs) this is true. Uh, But I want to. I want to dig into this humanoids thing a little bit more. Um, So, was the three book deal keyed to the visual um, envelope of count? Like so, the next book it, it's totally removed from from count, but uh, you know time travel and espionage. But were the stipulations that yeah, it'll be a different story, different setting, different genre, but it's going to look somewhat like count. Like you can't for your can you? This is my question for your third book uh, as one who does not follow rules at all. Um, can you say all right? I'm going to switch it up completely for this third book and do uh, 13 seconds in the life of someone tripping balls on on some kind of psychedelic drug. And this is what happens in the space of time with this. Like, can you go totally outlandish for the third book or do you have to make it at least visually uh, congeal with the two books that came before it? That's a really good question. The, the, contract was or you know the exclusive was was presented to me like when we were wrapping count and it was like hey we really love this you know we want to we want to wrap this into like a you know because they hadn't announced the book yet so they wanted to wrap it into like an overall deal um so i assume you know there's probably uh some kind of expectation that i won't veer too much but at the same time uh you know it's mark is is really really uh, into the idea of, you know, like humanoids sort of mission statement is to, is to produce transgressive books. Right. Right. So stuff that challenges the norm and, and, you know, really plays with the medium and stuff like that. So honestly, I think they'd be pretty, pretty down for it. And, um, you know, it's hard to say where the, the winds of inspiration will carry you, you know, um, there's part of me, you know, I just read, um, Old City Blues by um, uh, Giannis Milo Giannis, I, I think is how you say his name. Yeah, right. And it's a very stream of consciousness kind of style, right? And um, that really appealed to me. And I was like, you know, I, I I would love to do a book like that where you just you just go to town on it, and it's not super, you know, planned out. And I mean, I, I don't know how what his process was, obviously, but. Um, it, it his, the the drawings in that book almost look like a sketchbook right that was you know yeah so yeah i i think uh i think they're game for for just about anything so long as it kind of fits the type of stuff that they're looking to put out you know and i and i think also mark is very happy to be surprised so i i don't think it's out of their own possibility that's great and you know what i think this is a first where we have mentioned giannis milo no giannis twice we mentioned him yeah. last episode too. And we did. Yeah, what are the yeah. chances of mentioning <laughs> Milo Nogianis two episodes in a row? But that's awesome. That's, uh, I, 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 it makes me feel you know really warm and fuzzy that you have uh, the leeway to just uh, you know cast your net wherever you feel like. Maybe you'll pull up a bunch of uh, really good-looking fish, mm-hmm. right? I hope so, man. You know, it's it's really been like very creatively fulfilling. You know, uh, my editor Rob Levin, shout out to Rob. He's uh, he's he's great. Like he, you know, he bounces ideas off of me. You know, I'll turn in layouts and he'll say, "What if, you know, what if you did this or what if, um, 
you know, we make this a little more clear or that kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's no, you have to do this. It's always like, you know, suggestions that always make everything better. Cause you get up your own ass sometimes and your, you know, your nose is seven inches away from this page and you go, Oh yeah, I didn't even realize that I had done that or something, you know? So, um, it's, it's great in that respect. I think it's great that you're still working traditionally because too many people are not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I tried it, man. I did digital for about a year. Um, oh, okay. Just because I had, you know, you, you get to a point earlier in your career where you say yes to everything. And then, you know, sometimes you're tossing a bunch of balls in the air and too many land at the same time and you go, mm-hmm. shit, right? <laughs> so I, I needed a way to kind of work a little more quickly. And, and you know, there's some really cool digital stuff happening. So I wanted to see what I was capable of in that medium. Um, but overall, you know, and I did, so I did uh a book in the young animal imprint, uh, mother panic Gotham AD. Right. Yeah. Jody Hauser. And, uh, I did the first issue issue traditionally. And then I did the next five digitally. And then I did uh, a six issue run on James Bond origin digitally as well. Um, and the thing for me was I found that I was really just trying to emulate, you know, like the, the traditional style anyway. And, uh, what I was missing was like the tactile, functions of that right like no matter what kind of brush you choose in in manga studio or photoshop whatever you're using it feels the same it's just a nib on a glass screen and that kind of sucks like exactly yeah so yeah you don't get the you don't get the the toothiness of the paper and the the you know the the resistance from that and you know i mean god you can spend all day trying to find the right pencil graphite you know this one's too hard too soft it's a whole three bears scenario where you're, you're trying to be Goldilocks. Right. So, yeah. um, there's something about that that is just like inherent to my love of drawing and making art. And I, and it, it just kind of felt like being in like a loveless marriage almost. You know? <laughs> yeah. And there's no digital hair that breaks from the pack on a brush and just says, you know yeah. what? Screw it. I'm not going with those guys. I'm going to do my yeah. own thing. And just like kicks a little bit of spatter, uh, away from the main line like you don't you can't possibly get that digitally i'm not going to poo poo right. on digital because it you know it has its uses there are purposes for it and it's it's uh, in in all respects 99% is good as as but the 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 happy accidents are not possible in digital drawing and that's i live for the happy accidents right yeah um, 100% it, and and you know there's you, I found myself trying to achieve happy accidents through pre-programmed, like stamped brushes. And I was like, what am I doing? No, you <laughs> can't. You totally can, right? You totally can do it. Like, I'm yeah. just going to mangle the shit out of this brush. I might, you know, not on the, the paying jobs. I'm just going to practice and, and just knock this, this quickie out. And then, you know, you, you get rough with it and you mangle it. And then it becomes this thing that you want to shape um, through just force of will into something mm-hmm. that can work for you. And no, it wor- it does work. It's not a quick process by any means, right? Uh, but it does work over a period of time. You're making money, though, so you don't have the luxury right. of, of, yeah. of, you know, taking, oh, I'm going to groom these brushes to, to do what I want them to do over a period of years. That's not feasible, right? But, you know, you get that one brush that is just the ugly duckling, but, man, the, li- the lines that that thing produces, like, that's... That's the the berries. That's the grape. Yeah, 
and sometimes there's that sweet spot with like maybe like a felt tip thing where it just gets frayed enough that it's doing exactly what you want it to and then that lasts for like a week right and then it's it's sort of like beauty and the beast rose that like the last petal falls off and you're like shit you know yeah then you (laughs) gotta write the the eulogy and it's like oh my friend's gone because they are right they are friends you you spend a lot of time with them you know yeah yeah i don't know I, I remember when we chatted a few years back, I said something to the effect of like, are you your own worst critic? Because it seems like a lot of artists are. And, and, and I, I thought your response was refreshing because you said, well, I think we all have a little bit of that. But, you know, having to make deadlines and produce work to make a living, you, you kind of have to break yourself of that, right? Like you just have to kind of move on like it is what it is. But now that you've been at it for decade plus of being a steady producer of, of you know, commercial art, let's say, do do you still look back with with joy and, and pride? I would hope at, at your early stuff, or are you one of those people that like I don't even look at it? Like I'm just always curious about that because it runs the gamut, right? Like some 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 creators just literally refuse to revisit their earlier stuff, but others are uh, are more than happy with it. I'm just curious where you stand on that. It you know it's interesting because sometimes I'll think back and I'll be like, man, I, oh, that sucked. And then I'll look at it and I'll go, okay, it's not that bad. Right. Like <laughs> it's kind of like when you look at like dumb clothes you used to wear a decade ago. Right. You kind of go like, oh man, I was really wearing pants that big, you know, but it's like, well, I did it, you know, I can't go yep. back and change it. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's also, I, one of the things that I love about consuming art is watching the evolutionary process of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see, I mean, I'm sure you guys uh, observe this all the time. Like, you can see where an artist really got into, like, oh, he, he discovered Mignola right there or something like that, right? Oh, for and sure, then, yeah. Yeah, and then you watch that evolution happen, and then you see where they turn it into their own thing. I mean, you know, I think, like, Travis Charest is a really great example of that, where, you know, he started off drawing, like, Jim Lee, and then something clicked, and he just became this, like, like art artistic like being yeah. you know <laughs> yeah that's that's a really good way to put it right he he evolved into like this this demigod uh yeah, right. I, yeah who could have predicted it right like yeah, i think you said it right finding your voice right because i mean and and you could kind of point to everybody i mean Mignola comes to mind right like you look at his first early stuff and like there's just a kernel of what people think of Mignola, but he was clearly a guy that had just gotten a gig and he thought well i need to draw a certain way this is what they expect right and then you know, but I, I love that. I love to see that. That's one of my favorite. Honestly, that is uh, of being a fan of this genre in the way that we are. One of my favorite things is the evolution of artists that I appreciate and seeing seeing their work evolve. You know, and and we talk about as you know, you listen to the show. We talk about that a lot. Like th- th- a lot of artists kind of intentionally stop evolving visually because right. they feel that they can't. And I know I always bring this up. Like Jim Lee has said very publicly that he felt about twenty years ago he had to stop changing his style because people expected him to look a certain way. And that that's depressing to me, right? Like, like I want to see Jim Lee, like put a book out where we're like, wait a minute, that's Jim Lee. What? Because right. I still think it would sell. And I think yeah. it would be celebrated, you know? Well, well, and you see it in his sketches too, when he puts yeah, out yeah. sketches, like, and I mean, I, you guys may have seen the videos, you know, I've seen footage where he'll take like a, like a squirt bottle that you would put like ketchup in mm-hmm. at a restaurant and he'll just ink on the page and just move it around with a brush. It's incredible. You know, and he he plays with textures and stuff. But yeah, that is a thing. You know, I, I've I've felt that too, where you know you get a like a big two assignment, and you're like, okay, they expect something very specific of me, and I need to adhere to that. And then it 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 hamstrings you, even if it's not the actual expectation. It can you can get in your head about it, and then 
you end up producing work that you're not super excited about, you know? I think the – speaking of Jim Lee, uh, as far as his paying work, I mean the stuff he does on his own, we never get to see it rarely, right? But the the one time I could really uh, remember Jim Lee actually changing his style was to ape – Frank Miller on that Death Blow stuff. Death Blow, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. I d- Jim Lee has evolved over a period of time to to like uh to hone his work, but I think the the Superman stuff uh, or whatever he's done at DC recently, right? Looks like the Jim Lee that worked at Marvel back in the day on X-Men, only he's refined it the, the style, right? But when he did mm-hmm. that Death Blow stuff, I was like what is Jim doing? Like this is totally it's cool, but it doesn't look like the Jim Lee that that I know. But that was that was a sea change in his approach. But that didn't last long, you know. Um, There's um, one when it comes to artists that um, has has changed. That um, for the most part, most artists who have changed have changed for the better, but. Um, Lanil Yu, when when I look at like the like X Men one hundred one one hundred two from from the early aughts, and then you compare it to uh, Secret Invasion or, or Bendis's Avengers or even his current X Men stuff, that's that's night and day because it's now now you see Yu's work and and you know exactly who's drawing it. That's that's you absolutely see it. But back then, um, it was it was more in that um, it didn't look like like with Ringo, but it was it was open and airy like like Ringo, like Stuart Eman, and like so many other artists at that time. Um but yeah, like you said, Sheree's a good one. Um Pahalo is is a good one. Yeah. Um, they're and, and yeah, for the most part, you know, they, they do they'll 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 find that that click. I mean even Mahmoud to a degree. I mean the guy who was drawing Don um seven is 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 different than the guy who was drawing X Men and Conan and 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 uh, now X Men again. But I was thinking of Mahmoud because he, um, I was chatting with him on Twitter because he posted a an image that he did of uh, of Conan, and I was loving the um, the brushwork on it. And it, he he did do it digitally, and he was he used did it in Procreate, and he sent me the um, the link of the to the to the brush set that he purchased for for that and yeah i mean you, you'll you'll have people who draw digitally like you know like mike norton and and you know my man's line and he was he was giving me pointers as well and um you know watching him watching a video of him ink off a tablet or whether it's a cintiq or procreate or what have you in manga studio it, it's um it's he's you still yeah, even though it's it's a stylus on glass or, or, or plastic, um, you know if your hand shakes, you're hand shaking regardless. Of I don't mm-hmm. I don't care how digital that line is. If, if if you're shaky, and I was, he he pointed out exactly where I was I was inking someone's hair, and I was like that that's a fucking mess. Like I can't I I, <laughs> I I was I was embarrassed that I did that, and I'm like I I can't believe, like how fucked up was like I was I must have have was having a seizure when I was drawing it, I guess. But it was it was just it was insane, and and yeah, so. Absolutely. Listen, it, it's night and day, and, and we have the same arguments when we're talking about, you know, I prefer to read digital or, or off paper, and it's everything serves a purpose. And, and, you know, I'm not going to, I know 
Vince is absolutely a traditionalist and, and I wish I had the time and the space for the tools and the, uh, it, it's a lot easier for me to, to, to find pencil scans from heritage or, uh, or someone's website and, and open up an app and, you know, pretend to ink that than it is for me to sit down at a, at a desk and get, get my nibs and, and my brushes and, and the ink and pray I don't spill anything anywhere. And I just, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to improve so that, yeah, when I do bust out the, um, the actual honest to God analog tools that, um, that I'm not nervous, I guess I'll say. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, like we said too, I, I mean, it's a perfectly valid, uh, you know, medium, right? I mean, I, I get as excited for Jorge Jimenez, book as i do anything you know like that guy knows how to layer textures and different brushes and stuff in a way that is just i mean reading his stuff makes me feel like i just watched someone do a magic trick you know um so it it certainly uh has its uh has its pluses and you know like you mentioned mike norton he's great and you know he's found a he's one of those guys who's really found a way to to make digital art that looks traditional in like the best way you mm-hmm. know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah very lush inclines and stuff and um you know it, i think if you work in a way that is much more controlled uh you know either traditionally or digitally then it, it, it serves you better if you're kind of like what vince was saying if it's if your style is a little bit more prone to like the the messier grittier looks then, that's yeah. where i think it can get a little bit of a you know fights you a little bit mm-hmm. yes i agree yeah i was amazed we we talked about Wachter's new Iron Fist book and Vince mentioned oh you should be right in line to get those pages because there was Taskmaster in it and I emailed Dave to tell him how much I enjoyed the book and I'd forgotten he went digital a year or two ago really and 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 I have to say it's to your point I mean like I I think Dave looks the same as Dave looked like I don't um now I'm not an artist so maybe there's some subtle differences you all might see that I don't but but I was I had remembered he went digital, but had probably blocked it out. But I'm like, damn, like he, he, I don't, I think like he didn't adapt his style at all. It looks like Dave's throwing ink down on a piece of paper. It's impressive that he's been able to capture his same style that way digitally, but he says it makes him a lot faster. Um, yeah. So it bums me out personally, but i right. a fan of his work, but, but uh, yeah, man, to each his own, right? Um, yeah, that's, that's news to me. I, I didn't know that he had switched. Yeah. I don't know him personally, but shout out to Dave Wachter. I'm so happy to see him on um, uh, an Iron Fist book. Like he's oh, been for sure. good forever, right? Like that's yeah, such a for sure. Come up, yeah. So we have a lot of other stuff we want to touch on while you're here, but but I don't want people to lose um, lose the 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 bury the lead. So um, final order cutoffs already come and gone for this. So hopefully people not, heated. Not, well, depending nope. on when this comes out, so um, tomorrow, it'll be out tomorrow. Oh, no, we're good. I think FOC is the 15th. Oh, sweet. All right, perfect. Oh, so there you go. So you do have time to get to your LCS if you're not a DCPS customer. And uh, make sure you put in your pre-order for this. It's out March 16th. And I know you set up – I don't know if you set it up, but there is a website. I presume you, you had a hand in it. But Count Comic. So it's a, I'm surprised that URL was available, but Count Comic. Dot com and you can see a dope trailer that I think you made and there's a link to directly ordering the book um, and I know that Humanoids is always good about having the book available through their website once it's ready for publication too so lots of ways to get it if you haven't already ordered it you need to get make sure you do that yes thank you 
So tell us about toys, dude, because I think that's like a relatively newer hobby, right? I don't think you were into toys when we first met, did were you? I like wasn't. I mean, yeah, you know, I've always been into like the the McFarlane Matrix stuff. Really, I mean, you know, as a little kid, I had you know uh, Kenner Superpower knockoffs mm-hmm. and Ninja Turtles and stuff. Um, and then when I was, I think, like a freshman in high school, the the McFarlane Matrix line started coming out. And I was just like, again, wow, you can do this? Like, I had the same feeling I had when I saw Alex Ross's stuff. Like, the realism just, like, blew my mind, right? And there are these little snapshots of moments from the movie where they're defying gravity and stuff. And so that that got me into, you know, a bit of collecting here and there. But really, it was over the last probably two years or so, two and a half years, that I just went down the, the rabbit hole of collecting and customizing Um you know, I've I've had a few things over the years, like you know, like I have a, a hot Superman hot toy because you know I had to had to lock down one of those when I got the opportunity, and you know, but um, yeah, I, it started because I was like, you know what, I want a John Wick action figure, and they don't make one, and so I <laughs> I you know kit bashed a, a, a McFarlane Neo, I took the head and put a beard on it and pre sculpted the hair, and then found a suited body for it, and made a little diorama, and then. And then, of course, you know, two months later, they announced John Wick action figures. And I was like, well, God damn it. But <laughs> <laughs> which keeps happening to me, by the way, every time I'm like, I'm going to make this thing. It doesn't exist. And then, you know, someone solicits one. But uh, yeah, man, it's you know, I think um, we were talking a little bit earlier about replenishing the the creative, you know, well. And for me, that became a way to do it because, you know, drawing was my my hobby and my creative outlet. And then it became my job. And then you get to a point where you don't want to just draw more after you've just drawn for, you know, eight, 12 hours or whatever. So this kind of became a fun creative outlet for me. And then I just became obsessed with it. <laughs> so, Yeah. You so, get the bug, man. Right. I was going to say, you yeah. and Vince, now I think that it's fair to say that the kind of toys that Vince both collects and, and makes or toys around with making are very different visually than the ones that you're into, but the yeah. but the underlying creative passion of trying to create something that uh, you know in that form factor is there. So I, I you know, it, it seems like super cool, but it also seems hella hard. Like, how do you even go about? I mean, I do you like acquire? So like, if you're going to make a toy of a character, because you know, for those that don't know, on, on your Instagram, you'll post some of these so you can see them. So when you get an idea, an inkling to make to make a toy of a character that that you that you dig um like what's the soup to nuts process because you got to like hunt down you have to decide like can i get parts to make it right or do i have to make the parts do i mold them like so what is the is each one a completely different puzzle to solve or where in terms of how you go about making the fin- the finished product is that part of the the, the fun of figuring out like how the heck you're going to go about even making it happen yes yeah uh, so essentially what what will happen is i'll I'll get an idea for something, right? Like, um, I'll go, for example, one I have on the, on my tape, my workbench right now, as I'm trying to make a Carl Urban Judge Dredd figure. Okay. Right. And I got really into the Mezco 112 line. They're, they're essentially, for those who aren't aware, they're like a, like a little mini hot toy almost, like a little six inch figure, you know, really nice realistic sculpts, uh, cloth goods for the clothing, stuff like that. Um, so, a good uh, then I go okay. What's a good base for this? And and the um, the Mezco 112 Netflix Daredevil is a really nice base for these different kind of you know sort of <laughs> suited figures, right? So um, I'll take that and then you know I'll have to paint it obviously. Um, 
to to color match what I need. And then you go, okay, well, he's got different pieces of armor, so I'll go through. At this point, you know, I've got a closet full of just like odds and ends and random bits and pieces and full on figures that I bought because this one has a pair of glasses I need, and I'll use the rest later, you know. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I'll essentially just kind of kit bash the parts that do exist, and then for the parts that don't, I either fabricate them out of styrene, which is like. You know the little twist ties on your on your bread bags, like the little mm-hmm. flat piece? Sure. That's styrene, and you can mm-hmm. get large sheets of that in different thicknesses. And if you heat it up, you can kind of bend it and mold it. Um, so I might make it out of that, or I'll use an epoxy sculpt to sculpt it directly onto the figure, which is essentially a two-part compound that hardens after about 90 minutes, right? So you get a little bit of work, workable time there. Um, and then, you know, you find, like, a head that works. Like, I found a grimacing kind of Punisher head, and then... Uh, you know, like I'll have to make the helmet for him and, and you know, uh, figure out like, OK, I got to there isn't a little badge that matches the movie one. So I have to probably figure out a way to carve that or sculpt it or something. Um, but there's actually there's a really cool thing that a uh, few people do where you can take like a hot toys head. Right. So a, a one sixth scale figure and by using a, a, a shrinking resin, you can effectively mold this head, you know, in silicone and then cast it in this shrinking resin that that reduces in size as it cures and you generally have to do it in stages so it shrinks a little bit you mold and you know cast that one shrinks a little bit and you do that a couple times so there are guys who will sell these little sh- these shrunken heads <laughs> basically wow. uh online so you can you know find them on ebay and and uh that that is a good source and then sometimes you go oh this guy kind of looks like that guy so if i you know make his nose a little bumpier and shave his chin down with sandpaper i can approximate that likeness you know so yeah it's a it's a different process every time and it that's a lot of the fun of it is is kind of figuring out that puzzle so so you can actually like do like what the javaro indians did and like shrink heads only this time they're for toys that's crazy yeah and you know i try to use every part of the buffalo too when i buy a nice. figure for parts right so <laughs> <laughs> i might have something later you make a broth out of the marrow yeah, yeah. Exactly. I almost said uh, a name of a recording artist that uh, recorded a song about a buffalo, but I didn't because I don't want to give that guy any any more press than he already uh, gets. But it, it's amazing the link. All roads lead back to McFarlane, right? It's crazy. No, it's crazy. Um, I am not a huge fan of realism. You you know this, right? Um, I'm more of a um, art brute kind of uh wabi sabi type uh, i appreciate that style but the one um I, I give it up for mcfarland because he convinced us all back in the day that you know this was the way to do it this was a compelling way to make action figures and mcfarland's first figures were not all that great right but over a period of time you get what you get you know today mcfarland's action figures are amazing but oh, they're killing it. Yeah, but the, well, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is the um, despite our our uh, stylistic proclivities, we all almost to a man admit like, yeah, McFarlane is the shit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's just amazing how he's managed to to capture the attention of a, a pretty broad spectrum of of toy collectors, right? Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, I don't necessarily cling to the realism in, in comics art. Um, 
and actually, you know, again, to shout you guys out, like, uh, my taste has become a lot more, you know, uh, open to, to the more esoteric and eclectic because of your show. Um, cause when I started you know, I, I just loved realism and, and, you know, now I'm all, all more about like a stylized version of it. Right. I, that's what I find compelling. Um, with, with figures, like the act of taking this thing that exists at a normal size and, and making this tiny approximation of it is just absolutely fucking fascinating to yeah. me. Like, yeah. you know, even down to like miniature props, I just, you know, the, the ways that, and, and it's similar to like, because you can do this with a brush stroke too, taking some kind of other medium and, and approximating this real life thing with, with how you manipulate that medium is just like my favorite thing in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, with, with McFarlane, like I, I'm just endlessly, I, I'm, you know, I don't really, I didn't come up reading his stuff. Um, but he's obviously someone you learn about once you get into comics and in most capacities. And God, the guy's just incredible to me. Like I, I watched that sci-fi documentary on him recently and I was like, I'm starting a toy company. I'm doing it. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> But this gets you fired up. He comes in and conquers comics, and all right, I'm going to conquer action figures, toy, yeah. you know, toy manufacturing, and it just seems like everything, you know, love him or hate him. Uh, on the surface, Todd doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the in in the the box, but uh, he must be pretty damn savvy because he just annihilated comics, and then he chose to make action figures. Destroy, he he revolutionized the entire action figure industry, right? And he, it's just like, what what is he going to do next? Well, now he doesn't have to do anything next because he's Todd McFarlane, right? But um, yeah, he, I, I have uh, you know this. I have a lot of reverence for Todd on the the drawing uh, board, and I also have much, very much respect for him as a, a manufacturer of uh, action figures. Um, I did one custom in my entire. A lifetime, and I, I made a uh, a savage dragon out of a superpowers Martian Manhunter, and I was nice. like, "Yeah, this takes so freaking long." There's <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Nah, um, but yeah, uh, nowadays, you know, you play around with ZBrush and stuff like that, and 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 make figures. But um, yeah, I think I actually still have the damn thing. Uh, but uh, I, there, there's a, there's definitely a, a fever that that one gets when when uh, making these things, and the the first one leads to the next one, and you look over your shoulder and you have like 300 customs under your belt. It's like how, how yeah. did I get here, right? Now you guys I, know how I feel when I'm playing with Excel and I'm building new projections for fantasy. It's got nothing so to do with creativity. It's like, no. it's like oh, if I create this model, then what if I? Add a couple tabs and look at it from the, <laughs> the visual standpoint. Add a and couple. Like, oh, let me pull in some historical data and then run a new model. It's like <laughs> it just never stops, man. And now it's a graph. Yeah. No, I don't do much graphing. I don't do much graphing really. Graphing's kind of a waste when you're trying to crunch big numbers to me. But <sighs> but you guys get it now, so you get me. Okay. You know, I I gotta say, man, when you start talking about that kind of stuff. I have no idea what any of it means, but I love <laughs> listening to you talk about it. <laughs> Passionate about something, that's all that matters. Exactly. No matter what I get it, and, and I make my, my eyes are going to glass over, and I'm just going to nod and be like, yeah, that that's cool, bro. But, hey, man, if it gets you excited. I got to tell you guys, because of the COVID and a little extra time at home, 
I am about a month and a half ahead of normal in my annual football projections process. I've got the whole spreadsheet built out already for for the start of free agency. It usually doesn't happen until like April. I'm so excited. How do you explain that to your family when they're like, yeah, "Dad's got a little extra pep in his step." Like, well, you know, check it out. It's my projections. Like, do they do they get it? <laughs> um, it's funny. Like they they, <laughs> I think my kids just think the computer's attached to me because, like, <laughs> if I'm not podcasting with these fools or reading like a comic on my iPad, I'm doing something for football guys. If it's not work, so they like never know if it's work or. Foot, like fantasy or comics they just assume like i'm just constantly attached to a laptop or an ap- ipad you know so you know what's you know what's going to be amazing is that they are going to have thousands of hours of <laughs> dad talking about stuff he loves to listen to yeah yeah you, you, you know not not to not to take this in a weird place but i i, I probably not alone but i i do sometimes have a irrational fear of death Sure. I mean, I'm sure that's not unusual, but um, and, and I'm also a bit of a hypochondriac. So every now and then, like, I'll get some kind of health issue that turns out to be minor. But like, there's a period of time until it's confirmed that it's minor that I'm convinced I'm dying. Right. And <laughs> and I often when you bring it up, like I think about that and I have these fantasies almost of like starting a video diary of trying to like do five to ten minute videos that cover every subject they could ever want to know about me or life or you want to impart wisdom on them. Not dissimilar to like the Superman movie, right? Where, yeah. where, where, where he had the crystals and he could like, this is what you do when you get pubes, son. You know, it's like, you know, like, <laughs> like and, and, and it's like, and then, and then obviously I'm always happy when I find out I'm not dying, but then I think like, Oh, I guess I don't make, need to make those videos now. You know, <laughs> well, love you well, 3000. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully yes. You, you live long and, and, continue you know to prosper to the point where there will be just a holographic projection a la man of steel that you can you know pass down and they can be like dad how do i shave you know (laughs) for sure now listen i don't i don't uh i don't want to try and sway your decision making process on this humanoid deal i know you already did count you're already halfway through your second idea but you still got a third idea you got to do and it would just be an affront to all things karmic if you didn't at some point in your career and i know you're a young dude so you got lots of time of doing something that pulls in your love of hip-hop and hip-hop culture into your storytelling because like i know you're a fellow fan and i've said it at the beginning but for those that don't know i wasn't kidding like you actually were i mean in as much as one can be as close to being a professional breakdancer as there was such a thing Dude, so, I I could not stop watching the reels with you with, with you pop locking. Oh yeah, I, that was just oh, that's been I, I absolutely loved. I, I'm just sitting there and I'm watching it. I was in a meeting this morning. I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep watching this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, you know, I um I realized like I've been doing it for 20 years now. Like I'm 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 gonna turn 36 next month, and uh, I started when I was like 15, almost 16. Yeah. Uh, I met a guy uh, at a boys and girls club thing who was about my the age that I am now. And he was like one of the counselors there. You know, I grew up poor and, you know, single parent household. And it was kind of like there was this thing called night court that you could go to at my old middle school. That was like a, you know, boys and girls club sponsored basketball night. And I didn't play basketball. I wasn't good at it, but it was something to do. And it was free. And uh, so I went there and there was this guy who was he was like an old school dude from Harlem. 
who was just like, you know, he was one of the counselors who worked there while he was in grad school. And he was like, hey, come here. And he just started showing us some dance moves. And like, I was hooked, you know, again, as like, I was like seeing a magic trick. And I just like, I started to go back every week and, you know, we became friends. And then, you know, now he's like a father to me. I mean, he's literally like my Mr. Miyagi. Like he's taught me like <laughs> life lessons through dance and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I got, I got really heavily into it. I used to compete and I taught classes and I would do performances. Actually, you know, at one time I did a performance for Nike cause you know, the world headquarters is in my hometown of Beaverton, mm-hmm. Oregon. And, uh, it was to show off like some new line of clothing they were pitching to their internal people or something. And they brought in, you know, they had auditions. And so there's me and some other, my, my B-boy friends did it. And then the, the woman who was choreographed or, you know, in charge of it all brought in a couple of people from LA. And one of them was Katie Lotz who plays white canary on, uh, Oh yeah. 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 And yo, she can dance. Like she's got, she's got head spins, man. Like, like no joke like she doesn't and she she dances like a like a like a true like break dancer like, like a she girl like a b-boy yeah, nice. yeah like she doesn't seem like she learned it in a studio like she like knew what she was doing um and then i was like she it was her and this other guy that came up and and you know i was very heavily in the scene here in town and i was like hey you know we we go to this place called the good Fit every friday night for like a soul night we all you know a bunch of b-boys go there get down if you guys want to come let me know and they were just like thanks and i was like all right i'll I'll just go fuck myself then cool (laughs) (laughs) so you're like you said you're about to turn 36 so breaking came out like either right before you were born or like you were a baby yeah so did did you was there a point once you got into breakdancing that you guys peeped those films do they mean anything to you oh yeah oh yeah i mean so you know i'm i'm just the right age that like youtube wasn't a thing for me as a kid you know when i was growing up right you uh, were doing the, the break you were doing the video the dvd video vhs type of scene right like, VH, yeah 100 yeah. percent. like and it was a i mean the, specifically the kind of dancing i do like po- the funk styles you know pop in the robot locking that kind of stuff like th- it's like it, for a long time it was like the the bastard stepchild of uh you know anything breakdancing in terms of like competitions, it was like, Oh, the poppers. Uh, right. Or like <laughs> you get a breakdance video and it would literally be like a two hour video and you get five to 10 minutes of popping on it. Right. So it was this like hunt to try to find any footage whatsoever. And then, you know, dial up was still a thing. So it'd be like, Oh, there's a battle bionic man battle to V and Roddenheim or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you would find it and you'd spend, you know, six hours downloading it. And then you'd be yelling at your sister. I'm on the phone, you know, like don't hang up the phone. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, we'd all pass around that footage or whatever. And, you know, now there's TikTok and, you know, all, all that stuff. But, um, yeah, so it was definitely like a, you know, there's a lot of uh, analogous stuff to like it, it felt like digging for back issues or, you know, like searching for that one gem in a bin or something, you know. Sure. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, yeah I, to, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. To answer your initial question, I would I would like to do something uh, with it. I don't know how it would fit in. You know, I, I've thought about maybe like the life story of Willie, the guy who taught me to dance. Cause he's got a very, very interesting story, but um, I don't know that like drawing something biographical would keep my interest long enough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so maybe that would be something where I ex- explore a different style. Like 
the the book Jaeger I did, I was very much trying to emulate like a like a Alex Toth minimalist kind of thing. So it might be something good for for a style more like that or like the stream of consciousness thing I mentioned earlier. Yeah, right on. I mean, I uh, I remember going to see Break In Two, Electric Boogaloo in the theater. My dad took me, and I'll never forget it because like it's never happened again in my life. But at the scene where they're all doing the, they're all having the party at the community center. These old people, like in their seventies or eighties, get up from their seats and start dancing in the aisle during that scene. And like the next thing you knew, everybody was dancing. <laughs> like, what? like, I, like we, like kids, like we all got up and started dancing. And like the whole movie theater was like dancing along with the movie. And I literally have never. I was probably. That was probably like late '80s, so I was probably I don't know, thirteen, fourteen, and and I, I it's never happened again. Like I've never been in a movie theater. You've never. I've been in movie theaters. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I know. I've never done that. I've never participated in that. It'd be fun, but but yeah, I've never had another experience like that where the whole place was so into it that they became almost a part of the experience. And uh, yeah, so that's as incredible. That's like a scene from Breaking like <laughs> it is that's the thing it's ridiculous yeah that's the thing it's awesome yeah well you're, you're welcome awesome. because i didn't want to get out of the seat but she made me right <laughs> so I, uh, yeah vince was popping his hip was popping as he got up out of the oh table. you're not kidding well, yeah and then you, but then you think about it because then i think like what a, what a, what a g my dad was because my dad was not in the hip-hop or break like that was not his thing like he was purely there to because i wanted to go like you know, like, and I think, like, was he just killing himself? He's like, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> but he never, you know, he always, he never let me feel like it was a burden. You know, so like, I got to give, him, I got to call him and give him props for that tomorrow. That's great. Yeah. Did yeah, you ever see Beat Street? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Beat Street was a big one because because Willie told me when you know the guy taught me to dance. He said, "Yeah, I'm in that movie," and I was like, oh. "Wait, what?" And he said, yeah, there's a scene where, like, there's a party or, you know, something like that. So I went to, you know, Suncoast or whatever and found it at the mall. And I watched it. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't see him in this movie, man. And he was like, oh, they must have cut that scene. Because <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> Beat Street and and um, and the original Breakin' were both 1984. Yeah. Uh, which were – so that was, like, the kind of the pe- – that was the start of that. Like, there was a kind of a four- or five-year run where, where – where, Hip hop movies were were all kind of coming out. I remember Breach. You have Radon Chong in it. Yep. Shout out to Tom Chong's daughter. Yeah, that was a that was a formative movie for me too because it was like that and Style Wars, the the graffiti documentary that came out, you know, probably in, in the eighties. I want to say because um, Willie was a, a graffiti writer as well as a dancer. So he he you know like he'd done a mural with Keith Haring and he um, he he did a piece in the Graffiti Hall of Fame in, in New York and stuff and. Um, so, you know, he was just like, it was just having story time with him constantly. It was amazing. And I'm sure he loved having a young, you know, impressionable kid to, you know, look so cool to all the time. Right. Cause I just worship that guy. <laughs> so yeah, it was good stuff. We'd be remiss to, to not, uh, give you and Dap the floor to give a little love to James Bond. Cause I know you both have a mutual love. We're for- definitely doing that before we, uh, before you, you you tune us out and we talk some Superman, but yes, I do want to. <laughs> oh yeah, let me know uh, when's that happening because I could go walk. You want to go and uh, you got more projections to make. Um, all right, so yeah, so so uh, 
I love Solstice. I, I thought it was a great one shot of all the bond issues that the the dynamite had published that was that, that my favorite to to date but um there i grew up when when you know when hbo started playing the james bond movies constantly that was sadly i say sadly just because i i'd missed watching any of the Sean Connery movies when, when, when they were fairly new. So, so I was watching James Roger Moore was James Bond when I, when I was aware of the character and watching the movies. Um, and I thought the movies, you know, the movies were neat. They were, they were cool with all the gimmicks and, and the gadgets and, and what's not to love. But then years later, I finally read a couple of the novels, Fleming's books. And I'm like, this is, this, this is not, this is so not what happens in the movie. This is not the same character. It's not the same setting. It's not the same world that we were given in the movies. The movies is right. its own thing, and it's cool, and it's neat. And then we get Daniel Craig, and and I base and, – and so for my money, it's, it's – you know, listen, as great as Sean Connery is, he was the first. He was cool. It, it, it was neat. But for my money, when it comes to the James Bond we see in the movies – Nothing so far beats Daniel Craig for me because that he is the closest I feel to the source material. He is he's the he's the closest character in the movie that actually reflects the James Bond from the novels. So who is who is your favorite Bond? Where do you where 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 have you what did you start with? What is um just just how do you feel about the Bond franchise in general? Yeah, well, somewhat controversially, I'm a Dalton guy. I ain't uh, mad about that because yeah. I thought he I thought he looked the part. He didn't he didn't have a lot to work with, and right. and you know and, and it sucked for Brosnan because I mean Dalton got it because NBC fucked Brosnan over. But uh, I no I, I ain't mad about that. But no, go ahead, continue. Well, yeah, I I mean I, I think Daniel Craig is the best Bond. I mean you know far and away those movies are incredible. You know Spectre eh, is whatever, but yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, like Casino Royale to me is a perfect movie. Uh, and you know, shout out to Martin Campbell cause he directed both that and the mask of Zorro, which to me are like, you know, <laughs> the, the best you can do. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, Dalton really, to me embodied the Fleming stuff really well. Um, I think, I think he was disserved by it being the eighties and, you know, movies were of a certain way in that time. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the sort of coldness, but also like, you know, there's, you can see the human behind it. And, and I think in a lot of ways he was the, the proto Craig, right. And people just weren't ready for what he was bringing to the character because of the Roger Moore juxtaposition, right. Because for, you know, Roger Moore was bond for like 16 years or something. Yeah, and, you know, people were, grew very used to that and and he was an entire generation's bond and so when bond wasn't kind of goofy and slapstick and you know tongue-in-cheek winking at the camera they were like what is this shit right <laughs> and so it's only now that uh, people are starting to appreciate those outings more because they are closer to like the craig interpretation um yeah you know my thing was similar with you tnt or tbs i don't remember which one but they would do like a you know, the seven days of bond every time yeah. a, a Brosnan movie would come out. So that was what I, you know, uh, first started seeing. Um, and they would show the Connery stuff. So th that was kind of my first, um, 
you know, outing with Bond, and then they they'd sprinkle in the more stuff. I didn't see the Brosnans until probably about five years ago. Or, I'm sorry, uh, not the Brosnans, the the Daltons. The Brosnans I grew up with because you know I was like in middle school when those were coming out. Um, and of course, Goldeneye. I mean, the N64 game was yeah. like, pivotal in my youth. You know, <laughs> we used to. We, you know, you could do the four-way split screen, so we'd, we'd have two players on each side, and we would put, like, a cardboard box down the middle of the screen so you couldn't cheat and see where the other person was, you know? <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, uh, it was a kind of a combination of, of the games and the, the uh, you know, airings on, on cable. Okay. All right. Have you read any of the Flemings books? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I actually, uh, I really love the Fleming stuff. Um, you know, some of it's problematic by today's standards, obviously, sure. but, uh, <laughs> um, and that's, that was one of the things actually that got me really interested in the dynamite series is because they were, you know, they were doing Fleming's bond. Yeah. Um, I think that's why, you know, I was, I was lucky that the, the Fleming, uh, uh, publications people like really responded to my take on bond because they could tell that I, I knew the source material really well. Um, so that was like a dream come true for me getting to do Solstice because, you know, I mean, literally I had dreams like about, you know, I'd wake up like I had just drawn a Bond thing. I was like, damn it, that was that didn't happen. You know, so <laughs> when I when I got that email, it was a pretty, pretty good day. Fantastic. Let's see if you got any page. Uh, we'll have to talk after find out if you got any pages with Solstice. I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send you a link for sure. OK, perfect. Vince, you want to start off self with Superman? What, Superman? Who's talking Superman? You guys will be happy to know that my very first comic was John Burns Man of Steel number two. Ooh, with Batman and Magpie. Well, number two was um, No, the- no, Lois Lane is on the cover, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 And and it my came bad. with a an audio cassette of like sound effects and voice actors. What? Wow. Yeah. And and that's how I learned to read, because I think I was like four or five when i got that Holy and i just listen to the tape and match the words to the bubbles and then i've you know kind That's of figured fantastic. it out there. so yeah my first two comics were that i got them at the same time it was that and detective comics number 628 by marv wolfman and um jim aparo with jim inks by uh mike DiCarlo. Who is that mike mike DiCarlo. yep yes wow well that's a really yeah, so- good foundation right yeah, I mean, and so, 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 yeah. So your first, so I can only imagine, well, four years old, but I mean, I can only imagine someone that that their first, their their, their first Superman comic. You've got Superman rescuing, saving the day because he's he's um, he's uh, that that's the issue where he's 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 saving the shuttle, right? Uh, I think that was the first one. The second one is like. Right, because he, he goes back home and he tells mom and pa that that everybody was clawing at him. And you're right. right. I'm sorry. So, so yeah. yeah, the second issue is is we also see Lex. Yeah, and Lois is Lois is playing some games. You know, she's got the little oxygen tank under the seat of her car, and she yeah. takes a spill over a bridge. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> Burn just 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 must have seen Superman the movie. Right, and it it starts off where um you know he's flying around stopping you know he stops like a robbery or something, and then he goes to somebody with a, a boombox and like turns it down with his pinky. Yes. I'll never forget yes. that pamphlet, right? <laughs> um, yeah, to this day I can't stand loud music. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So all right, so so you started with Burns. So you didn't even bother with any of the Kurt Swan stuff. You, you didn't. So 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 I mean that's 
I, I know it, Vince has mentioned that, you know, it's it's Burn that brought him to Superman, so he didn't really, I mean, with the, with the exception of, actually, Vince, I don't know, were you, I know you've, you've mentioned, of course, the DC Comics Presents stuff, but I mean, did you go back and read those after the Burn Superman, or did you read any of those when they were coming out? Mm, uh, actually, my first... My first Superman was a Kurt Swan, which put me off Superman for a long, long, long time. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then when I, when Byrne came to DC, sure, plugged me in with the character and I loved it. So I, I went back and what I could find was, you know, the Neil Adams stuff. And, uh, you know, the one the I, I, I bought the issue with Superman breaking the chains, that famous Neil Adams cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but no, uh, I mean, Superman has always been burn has been pivotal in, in my love with, of Superman. He's responsible for the whole thing. If, yeah. if burn had never touched the character, I don't even know if I'd be a Superman fan, to be honest. You know? Now, what was it about the the Kurt Swan stuff that turned you off? Was it just the zaniness of it, or the? the oh no, I the... liked the zaniness. It, it was the barrel chested, clean cut, you know, blocky, <laughs> cleft chin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Superman, Kurt Swan, Superman is the superpowers. Superman brought to life. He's 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 rectangle. You know, and I just, I just know it, it was very stiff, and and now I have more of an appreciation for Kurt Swan, but I'll be honest, really not all that much. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, he he doesn't take chances. He's very realistic uh, in his uh, translation of of the 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 style of realism. Uh, I don't know. I just, yeah. Uh, but Byrne, wow, uh, he he. Made me a a lifelong fan, as as he did many people, right? Yeah, uh, yeah they knew what they were doing yeah. when they brought him over. Um, yeah, you know, it's as such a little kid. I mean, it was just given to me, right? Like I didn't seek it out, and I I had no concept of what Superman should look like other than the Christopher Reeve movies, which I was glued to as a kid. Right, so. Right. You know, between that and then this this very recognizable like representation of him in this comic, like it just like to me, that just was what Superman was, right? Right. Like, and yeah. I, you know, so as I got older, it, it really did form my opinions on like what how I like Superman to look. You right. know, right. I, I'm very picky about it internally. Like I, I don't usually say it a lot, but like if the curl is wrong, yeah, or you know if it's on the wrong side or the you know, uh, the the collar comes up too high, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 John, uh, John Superman is Christopher Reeve. He's bulkier, and he's you know he's he's built like a brick shit house. But look at the face; that is the logical progression from Christopher Reeve in real life to a, you know an illustrative version of this dude. And right. it's uh, he for me he made Superman sexy. Not and I'm talking the masculine aspect of Superman. Lois is gorgeous. She's annoying, but she's gorgeous. Like even Magpie was super hot. You know. And mm. I think she is. And um, but and when you get to like um, the uh, and from there, I went to I followed Superman wherever he went, right? And uh, I think that the the next real big blip on my Superman radar was Tom Grummet. 
Oh yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, because I uh, yeah, well, the adventures of yeah, yeah, and and uh, then we you know you had uh, I'm I'm jumping ahead, but Ordway and and uh, the uh, Burn just instigated a, a revolution with the character. I don't think you can overstate Burn's importance to the character of Superman. They they may try and you know white you know obfuscate it and say like oh yeah it, it was a very very fertile period in, in Superman's uh, history no it was the Big Bang for Superman as far as I'm concerned they still they're still mining it oh yeah constantly. I mean yes they, they they of course they're they're also you know they they've, the Snyder's movie borrowed from from Birthright and and you know what 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 Jurgens everybody built on and but you also got to tip the hat still, to Kirby too. Because a lot of the stuff that Ordway and 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 Byrne did later like later on, that's all Kirby. The whole mythology of of what what oh, the uh, newsboy and yeah, the what, what yeah. they did with yeah, Jimmy Olsen, what Jack did with yeah. Jilly, Jimmy Olsen, it's all in that run. But anyway, we're 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 straying from the the mark here. I think anyway. Let, let's, but wasn't the um, the the Man of Steel miniseries that Byrne did? I mean. That was sort of the first, wasn't that? Wasn't that like the first attempt to sort of contemporize the character? Like since exactly what it was. It, it was yeah. It was it was his fiftieth birthday. DC was like they um they had just had the crisis, so they were they were looking to um they they wanted to kind of make him current, make make him relevant in the eighties. He was he was a relic for, for all intents and purposes. And, and DC basically just wanted to breathe some new life into him. And they, they kind of did it across the board. They did it with the Trinity um, because Frank had year one where, but where that happened, that happened within now that, that was Batman number four Oh four. So that, there was no big event. There was no mini series. There was no relaunch. It was just, mm-hmm. it was Frank did that. And then from there, um, Starlin uh, or Collins took over the title for a little bit, but, um, and then, Perez and Potter were able to reboot Wonder Woman, but but DC wanted to do something um, fresh and new with the character, um, and and Byrne had no problems um, making him humanizing him a bit because even he was um, he's 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 talked about it. And, I mean, he mentions it briefly in in the forward in the in the hardcover, but. Um, you know there were there were definitely things he had planned. I mean he he was on it for less than two years. It wasn't because he I don't even think he got to issue twenty two or twenty three on of of the main Superman book. Um, so his he he didn't get to do everything he wanted to do, and and a lot of that was I think editorial and I think there was some miscommunication or things that Wolfman had planned with Ordway to do on the Adventures book um, didn't really jibe with what burn had planned so i think it just became too much of a headache he actually has said on in hindsight there there was a um i think a sci-fi interview or something where he he said it, had, it were he to do it all over again he he would say no he would not have taken the job with dc oh, to wow. do Superman, which which hurts my heart but um <laughs> I, that's just john being john he's full of I, shit I, I i i hope it is i hope it nah, is it's it, gotta it's, be i mean if, if when you're the dude who who did that and can say that that's one thing but i mean in the back of my mind, if I had the the huevos to to try to actually say that, it's I would I would be thinking about all the people, all fans, all the readers who not just followed me from Marvel to Superman, but everybody who became 
the Superman fan or 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 what? I mean, you might feel jilted because oh, you know, Marvel, DC went and did all this with with my ideas, and I, that that's fine. That you signed on for that, but if you know, just just knowing what you did, not just for the character, but 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 to readers, the comic book, for, and and you don't own owe them anything but i just for me to for me to think of saying that i would i would honestly be mindful of of the people who that would affect had i not done that and and it's but that's yeah he's he's out of his mind the the his fantastic four run as good as it is as legendary as it is is completely in homage to stan and jack right did he do anything really revolutionary in his run, uh, you know, yeah, you can argue, you know, you made maybe, her invisible, right? Maybe the whole. I, I think Sue benefited the most from Burns' Fantastic Four run, but whatever. But for how long he was on Superman, he just Byrne completely revolutionized the character for for day. I mean, to the present day. Yeah, you know, he did a great run on Fantastic Four, but that's in the past. That that really has you can't even smell the fumes from that that engine anymore, right? But his his Superman, it's alive and well today. Everybody owes a huge debt of gratitude to John Byrne on Superman. It's just that's just the way it is, you know. And and he may downplay it, and, but I think that's the one great thing that Byrne did in his entire uh, career was touching Superman. So if he says, you know, I shouldn't have done it, whatever, John, it I think it's your crowning achievement. So. I know p- people will will say, listen, you know, he's he's what made them an X Men fan, or yeah, you know, for un- until Wade and Moringo, or even until um, Hickman, uh, people would say, you know, it's it's Burns' Fantastic Four run, and and that's fine. I mean, I I was buying Fantastic Four monthly because he was doing it, so um, you know, I, I I I appreciate the work he did and and what everything he did up to Superman. I understand its importance and and how the fans feel about those properties, but um, but yeah, I mean it's it's when we run off characters and we think about you know the artist, who do you envision drawing? It, it's 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 burned for me when it comes to Superman. It's just it's as I was a fan of the character before Burn came on, but it just it it went up a whole bunch of notches when. Um, when he showed up. Yeah, because because it was it was no longer so silly. It wasn't like you know, so here's before Burn, you know, Superman could move a moon back into its orbit. And it's like you when you think about the science behind that and the physics and, and you know, how would you not just go through this the satellite, this this star, this moon without, you know, being and, and how well all the other gravitational pulls like you just the burn actually applied logical thought to what the character was 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 doing and and humanized the supporting cast and not everybody was looking at them all wide eyed and um you know turning a piece of coal into a diamond and what it just it it it's you know the whole thing with with the invulnerability because of of you know the like Vince pointed out a couple weeks ago you know Maz sitting there talking about how you know your your suit your clothes don't get ruined or damaged because the closer they are to your skin the more protected they are I mean Burns just made sense of a lot of what um of what prior to him taking it on a lot of the readers just just took for granted because it's superman and it's you just shrug because you know that that's the answer to everything it's just, oh it's superman so you're just going to go along with it and but burn actually made you 
think things through and it was he just he made the character smarter and um I, I I appreciate that but that that's not news to anybody and and we're completely um not letting even talk about oh no man this is what the, the people want this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody asked for this. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have that. Um, Wait, you, you mean you mean the audience has never heard us talk about John Prince? <laughs> well, not <laughs> not for at least three episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's the cool part of this whole shindig: you're going to actually hear our guests doing in your travels because that's what time it is, right? This episode has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door. Ding dong. Someone's bringing me comics. It's the most amazing (laughs) thing in the world. DCBService.com. Go there if you want to save. Um, I stumbled upon this book, and wow, it was I th- I just had such a great time with it. It's uh, the first issue of a miniseries. I'm not completely sure how many issues, but it is a miniseries. Uh, it's published by IDW. Written by Andy Essenbach. Or Eschenbach. Yeah. And Brian Level also wrote this thing. Uh, art by Kate Sharon with Micah Myers on letters. It's a little thing called Chain to the Grave. I took a chance on it. It's it's a Western. Uh, I love Westerns, right? But this is a, a really avant-garde Western. Um, it's about a dude named Roy Mason. And uh, Roy's dead. That's a bummer. Yeah, he, he, he took a job working for uh, transporting gold or something for uh, uh, an employer. But it turns out the employer uh, was a, a, a thief. A, a bad dude and so Roy uh, decided well you know uh, why not steal from a thief and uh, the the big bad found out and, and killed Roy shot him in the head and so you know Roy was put to rest he he, he died and, and buried but um, Roy's wife Cora uh, just could not live without her man you know so she paid uh, someone known as the Thunderbird. This is a Native American shaman woman named uh, Dateste to magic her husband back to life, right? So the opening scene in the book's really cool. Uh, Roy digs himself out of the grave. <laughs> he's got half his head missing. Um, and he's, uh, for some reason, he's chained to his gravestone. So he's dragging the, the, the gravestone. He's, he's totally uh, disconcerted. He's, he's messed up because the guy just came back to life, you know, pulled back to reality. And um, he gets home and the wife's like, oh, Roy, baby, honey, did I miss you? And she starts taking his clothes off, right? <laughs> and she's, she's on her knees in front of him and the kids walk in. Yes, they have kids, of course. Uh, Janie, Sue, and John. They're like, oh, daddy, daddy's home. What took so long? Like, they were all in on it. They knew that, that mom had paid someone to, to bring daddy back. And, um, mom was like, I sure missed my husband so bad. But, um, behind the scenes, right? The big Blanche Devereaux right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, behind the scenes, the big bad is really not happy at all that he lost his gold, uh, especially, uh, from someone under his employ. So he pulls in um, uh, 
the Wolf Sisters and their lupine brother. Um, meanwhile, that uh, that lady shaman, that uh, Dateste, it turns out someone has uh, kidnapped her grandfather, who's also a shaman, and they also have his powerful magics. Well, it turns out it's the big bad, right? So um, Roy's like, you know what? Shit's really going to hit the fan because I did, uh, I guess I did a bad thing from stealing from a thief. So here's the deal. Let's get you, he's talking to his wife now, obviously. Let's get you and the kids out of Dodge. But we don't have any money. So, you know, we're dirt poor. So I got an idea. Let's go down to the rail yard and we'll throw y'all on a train car and I'll deal with the stuff as it happens. Meanwhile, he's he's dragging the tombstone, right? And um, so the wolf sisters and their four-legged brother, they're bearing down on the Masons. And there's uh, since it's the first issue of a miniseries, I think I can reveal this to, to wet your whistles uh, for this miniseries. There's a traitor in, in their midst. Um, turns out Roy's wife had her husband reanimated so he can be a, an undead roadmap to all the gold. Oh, nice. Yeah. She's like, well, I don't know where this shit's buried, so I'm going to, you know, bring the husband back to life and let him lead me to the gold. But uh, the, what with the wolf sisters uh, flinging bullets around and their werewolf brother doing shit and Dateste arrives and she's shooting guns and everything and Roy's got a gun and he's blowing stuff away and, uh, well, Mrs. Uh, Mason takes a bullet to the forehead. Mm. Yeah, so so the fam Roy and Deteste and the, the two kids they hop on board the the train and and that's where the first issue ends. Um, I thought it was wonderful. Uh, the art is um, it's a little bit Scott Morse, right? Maybe a, a hint of Toby Cypress. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, little. Nice. Now you're talking about language. No, little little Frank Espinosa. Right, little Rocchetto here and there. Oh, okay. Right, it, yeah, it's not as as um, the line isn't as gritty as Espinosa, but it's it's very very airy, very fluid, very stylized. Right, this Kate Sharon, like I had, had no idea who this person was or, or what she did before reading this issue. But I, I opened the, well, I looked at the cover and I said, "Well, this looks interesting." I, and I flipped it and I said, "Wow, this interior is pretty damn nice." So um, you know, if you like. Uh, uh, against the grain art, which I do, and westerns, that's me, I would check out Chain to the Grave number one. It's not going to break the bank as it's a miniseries. You have Magic and the Old West. It's like a little bit Briscoe County in some some mm. space. But but the main characters... Like, that sold it for me. Right. The main character... It doesn't have the tech yet. I hope it does. But the, but the main character is super dead. He's missing half his face. Um, and he, you know, he just, now he's pulled back into the world the, or the land of the living and he's flinging the chain around with the gravestone on it. And it's, it's just a cool book. I, I, I liked it a lot. Chain to the grave. Number one, IDW, check it out. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, speaking of, of, of cool books, this is something that, um, I, I mentioned it to our beautiful um, slackers. I I can't. It's 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 
the way I felt about Mr. Invincible last year, that's how I feel about what if we were ellipses. And um, it is by a artist, a writer and artist uh, from Montreal. And her name is Excel. Sorry, Excel Lenoir. And I absolutely am in love with the art style here. And this book, this graphic novel, is a um, is is a collection of her strips that were um, originally published in French. And it is about two teenage best friends, Marie and Natalie. Um, Marie is my favorite. I mean, she's she's funny. She she's quirky. She's she's not the dumb one, but Natalie is is the one with um with the smarts and uh but she doesn't make Marie feel dumb at all. But basically what what if we were is about uh is that's the name of the game they play. Uh where when they're bored or walking to school or whatever, they play this game where they what if we were Vikings? What if we were lost in the woods? What if we were superheroes? What if we were? It doesn't matter. And 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 so, Excel draws them based on whatever whatever their setting. So when they're they went to the um, they went to the movies to see Twilight because they'd never seen it. And yeah, so what if we were magical creatures? And they're drawn as dark elves, as orcs as dragons, as goblins, and they experience what that would actually feel like. So if they're dwarves, you know, oh, now they've got a beard. And and, um, and there's these two teenage girls trying to you know, deal with, and, and it's not like that That's doesn't necessarily draw out um, the dilemma. It's just, it, it's a quick little sight gag. It, it, it's a one panel gag for that particular um, item. But, but, but these actually feel like, two honest to God actual living creatures. You 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 hear these conversations that they're having and you know I could imagine my nieces having these conversations. I can I, I it, there's nothing there's nothing fake or made up really about this when they're just joking and having fun with each other. And um it's it is an absolute joy. I I, I it, it's it's a bummer that um that this was released the very end of 2020 um, because now I have to hope that Secret Passages, her next book, which is um, currently being published, well, not being published, but, but, but releasing pages um, on her Patreon, which I read this and I immediately subscribed to. Um, so Secret Passages should be out in 2021. So Excel's definitely had, she's going to find her place on my classics for sure. But this, this is, this is something I, without a doubt, recommend to everyone, uh, regardless of what you, what, what, what you're into, whether, you know, superheroes or Westerns or whatever. I, I, it, it does not matter that the art style is fantastic. Um, the, 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 the writing is great. It, it's it's just one of those things where I I read it and I, I legit felt good when I was done with it. It 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 just it blew away everything else 
I read up to that point. It's it, it it's what I keep thinking about since I've read it. And I mean, it's done. I mean, there, there will be another volume eventually. Um, I found out after the fact that uh, her her previous book from IDW and and, and Top Shelf is uh, Camp Spirit that came out earlier um, last year. I, I I didn't I missed it. So I it it's I'll, I'll be getting it real soon. It it's in my cart. I didn't stock trade, so I mean I'll I'll, I'll end up with it. But um, I am absolutely watching her from from here on out. Anytime I see her name, I'll um I'm I'm there. I I cannot stop thinking about this the art style. Really, I just I, I love the way she draws these characters. The um and and it's not like the the strips aren't like done in one. There there actually is. You, you do see some progression in in these in well i'm saying these girls but 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 as as they're getting older you're seeing them um mature and grow and uh you know they, they go away because i think the first the first strip was from 2016 so um you know you've seen them go away for the summer and come back and uh catch up a little bit but you have their um pages from their diary are are, are sprinkled in here and there uh and Marie, she's, I don't, I'm not gonna call her a horn dog, but you know she likes boys, and she she keeps joking with uh, Natalie that you know I, I I I you know is your brother still married? He still have those kids because you know he's really cute, and she'll she'll keep joking about that. Natalie has a crush on they call her in the book Jane Doe, and even even when they're having conversations with her, they they call her Jane, and she responds to that. So I'm guessing her first name is Jane. We just never really get her her last name, but um, she's introduced and there are times where Marie, Marie's not, I mean, Marie's a realist. So she realizes, you know, as people grow up, they may drift apart, you know, things aren't going to be the same as they were in the early days of high school. Um, but, you know, uh, she, she's not so much worried that Jane is going to take her best friend from her, but she just, she's, she's aware that that relationship um may change somewhat and, and there may be times where obviously Natalie's going to want to spend time with Jane and, and Marie's not going to be a third wheel. And it's just, and, and it's, it's just, it was nice to see not just these little strip and sight gags throughout this book, but, but actual um, acknowledgement of, of, of the world around them. And, and to just, again, it just added that feeling that these are actual um as real as characters on a page could be, but, but it just, it, it gave you the sense that there's actual thought involved in, in bringing these, these girls to life. And, um, and, and that, that I think adds to you getting really hooked and, and, and sucked into this world. And it, it, it is just, it's a lot of fun. And again, I'll go on about the art some more, but it, it's, that's, that's obviously a huge, um, it, it's, that's attractive in itself, but knowing that um, Axel is, is doing something neat and quirky and fun um, definitely adds to it. it, it it's all around. It, it's a fantastic book. Definitely recommend it. I, I, I want everybody to, um, if, if well, I mean, we're only in the first week in February, so it's, it's, it, I don't want to say that. But if you listen to me at all this year, I definitely beg you to get um what if we were by Excel Lenoir from IDW slash Top Shelf Comics.
Well, goddamn, you're begging us. We need to stop what we're doing right now. I need to not do my inner travels and just get get the goddamn book. Just order this damn book. (laughs) I mean, (sighs) shit. If it's anything like like you're 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 imploring me to read, uh, I mean to watch Star, Star Trek Discovery, I need to get on it with the quickness. Hopefully, this doesn't break the trend. Nah, dude, I'm, I'm actually I'm saving season three because I don't want it to be over. Oh, okay, I feel you there. Yeah. Um. Well, damn, that's hard to follow that up. I'm uh, sorry. No, that's all good. I love the passion. Uh, in your travels, um, give five years a read. We talked about the first. Four or five issues of it, I think. Like, and then we never really revisited it. And I'll shoulder the blame for that. Um, this is Terry Moore's ten issue crossover. Basically, it's 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 the Terry verse. Um, it was essentially a chance for Terry to take all of the protagonists from all of his different series and pull them together to save the world. Um, it's it's a, essentially a, an espionage book, really. Um, so so a lot of things happened over the course of his other books, and where we're left is um, a number of countries now have in their possession the ability to make the five bomb, and the five bomb is perceived by them as a a, a, a new weapon of, of of deterrent, where if they have it, they can have uh, a place at the table evocative of the 80s cold war nuclear arms race but but what they don't realize and the people that are um that are on the good side of things understand is that the five bomb can't be contained if they build it it'll destroy all of existence uh, literally everything so they know they have about five years to um to stop this hence the name of the title of the series and I believe, I mean, the last time we talked was probably the end of 2019 when the issues four or five came out. And I said at the time, you know, we were about halfway through and it's felt like, wow, I mean, how, how we're, I don't know how we're going to wrap this up in 10 issues because a lot's got to happen. And I let the issues accumulate and don't know why this week of all weeks was the week, but I, I got an, a, 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 a hankering to pick it back up. And I started from, I started from back from issue one and read all 10 issues and I really, really loved it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Terry Moore fan. I've read everything he's ever done. So I'm not, I shouldn't be, people shouldn't be too surprised. That I enjoyed it, but it was neat. I would say that the thing that you have to understand is that this is really like the cherry on top of the Sunday of lifelong Terry Moore fans. So if you've been on the ride with him, not just for strangers for SIP, but for everything that came after it, this is almost his way of, of, of giving you a payoff and saying, well, here you go. Cause you always wondered if they interacted. Well, here's the chance. Uh, if you, if you are not familiar with his work or, or if you're, I think like many of you, if you only read strangers in paradise, but you haven't read his subsequent series like motor girl and Rachel rising and echo, then I would say this would be completely befuddling to you because he presumes, you know, who all of these characters are. And their backstories and what they have and what they bring to the narrative. So, so be forewarned on that. If if you're not a completist Terry Moore fan, I don't think this series is going to be all that um, all that uh, satisfying to you. But if you're like me and you have been with him from the start, I, this was dope. And I got to say, my worries halfway through that it wasn't going to have a resolution were totally misguided because he absolutely has a resolution and. It was just really neat seeing 
characters like Zoe, who is a 10 year old girl. That's a 60 year old woman trapped in a 10 year old body. And, uh, and she's undead basically. And, 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 um, and, and motor girl and, uh, Kachu and Tambi all be essentially part of kind of a, a strike team trying to, um, stop this five bomb from being built was like a ton of fun. It really was. It was a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was like putting on a, a comfortable, comfortable pair of jeans that you've had for years that just always fit really well, uh, again, in a lot of ways. And there wasn't a finality to it that was depressing. It wasn't like, Oh, this is the final credenza on this, on this world. And we're going to forget anymore. It, 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 it was really like a mission they were spoilers. They succeed in the mission. And, uh, but there's certainly always the window for Terry to do more with, with, with the majority of these characters. And in fact, um, and I think this is probably the impetus for why I ended up going back and revisiting it. Um, we have a new series coming from Terry called serial, which centers around Zoe, the aforementioned 10 year old girl. Um, and she's, she is, um, she was the vessel. She was in Rachel Rising. She was the vessel for a demon named Malice for fifty years. She she died as a ten year old. Malice inhabited her body, and she lived uh, in basically a stunted uh, form for fifty years. During and and we we meet her late in that journey in Rachel Rising, um, and she is a complete sociopath and incredibly deadly, like she can disembowel you and, and then go and have an ice cream cone. And, uh, it's a pretty dark character, but it also lends well to, to dark humor and is definitely, um, the kind of thing that I think is arresting visually to see a little girl disemboweling a priest, which we get to see in five <laughs> years. So, uh, yeah, two, two big thumbs up. And the other thing I'll say about Terry, cause he, everything's self published through abstract. Um, he does really great collections, and he does them in a way that that meets whatever your interest. So you can buy the issues, you can buy the trades. There's two trades for five years. You can buy a soft cover collection of all ten, or you can buy a hardcover slipcase of all ten. So whatever floats your boat, whatever form you want, he's got your back. So yeah, give it a try. I really, I, I'm I'm pleased that I, I remembered to go back, and uh, it's got me really stoked for what's to come with uh, cereal. Nice. I have to uh, remind myself that I'm actually on this call and not just listening to you guys. Like, oh, I, you're like, on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, thank you guys again so much for having me. Um, this has been a blast, and like I said, a, you know, a nice uh, sort of uh, you know completing the circuit thing for me in my personal comics journey. So, very, very cool of you. Um, I feel like I should uh, mention Count one more time just to for do my Absolutely. due diligence here. Um, if you go to www.countcomic.com you can watch a trailer that I made Um, you can pre-order the book uh, at you know Amazon Barnes and Noble um, you know an independent bookstore locator uh, option on there as well and then obviously you know my first choice would be uh, to to patronize your local comic shops in whatever way you can Um, and uh, yeah you know since the stuff I'm reading now is stuff that you guys have gone over in depth on the show um, I, I think I'm going to plug a, a podcast that some guys that I know do, um, called Marvel by the month and their show format is, you know, it's really well produced and they basically go through every month of 
Marvel Comics history chronologically and uh, talk about the stuff that came out. They, they highlight like three to five books uh, every week. Um, I've been on there a couple times. They've had Tom Brevoort. They've had Matt Fraction. Um, and for me, it was the first time that I read old Marvel stuff. You know, I, I hear you guys talk about it a lot. And, uh, you know, these were my first like issues of Stan and Jack uh, FF and stuff like that. And, you know, Starenko, Nick Fury and stuff like that. So um, it's a really fun show. And they, they talk about the world events that were precipitating at the at the, you know, the month that these comics came out. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's great. So Marvel by the month. I, uh, I highly recommend it. I love it. A new podcast for me. I was not familiar with this podcast. I think you'd dig it. I think you'd like it a lot. Sweet. Nice. There you go. Jason does love his podcasts. He does. Oh, I listen to a shit ton of podcasts. This is true. <laughs> all right. You can't hey. all be elitist snobs like you. <laughs> well, not David. Yeah. I don't want to interfere with my own creative ethos when I it's, speak on something by listening a, to someone else's podcast. That's a very valid concern. That's why I listen to cooking podcasts. There you go. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us one more time. We would love to thank our guests. Get your asses out there and get count from Humanoids. It's awesome. It made my week better. made all our weeks better. It'll make your week better. Just get it. Uh, Thank you for the wonderful conversation. It was awesome. The door is always open. Let this not be the last time that you are here, my friend. Yes. Thank you. It it will not. I promise you that. Awesome. Yay. He's got two more books from Humanoids coming, so yeah. Well, doesn't need a, anything <laughs> to pimp anything to come on. I mean, shit, Tony's here all the time. <laughs> you know. But he is actually pimping things now, so whatever. We love them all. And uh remember, cheap comics, DCBService.com, if you want more of the eleven o'clock experience, where do you go? Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon, we would love a couple more eyes on it. Go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. In the meantime, I'm getting my little katana out here because I, <laughs> I plan on making some noise. All right, put it there. In the meantime, say goodnight. Stop. Wait, little tab twapping. If you squeeze the can and twap the tab, it makes it. St- I, I'm discovering. Stop. What happens when you get these eight, eight and a half percent ABV beers in Vince's gullet? Eight, eight and a half. I think this is what I'm gonna look in here. Uh, you know why don't they just put it four point two? This is crap. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I didn't buy this, so whatever. David. Oh. Right? You remembered me. Good night. Abraham, see, this is the part where he cheats. I always wonder if he has, like, a stopwatch. Uh, You don't have to wonder, my friend. He (laughs) has got a stopwatch. There's no wondering going on here. As soon as he hears me say David, he hits the button, and then he just resets it real quick. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Ibrahim, how's uh, how's Portland uh, like 
things things come up around that way or oh, what? Yeah, it's a couple square blocks, man. They're trying to make it seem like this shit's on fire. It's that's why I figured it was like <laughs> overdone, but you know. Yeah. Do you all have like a like <laughs> a central perk where all the comics dudes go and hang out? Like do you all have like a uh, Steve Lieber used to do like a, a, a sort of a monthly gathering at, at like a local bar or something. Um, I could never make it. I always wanted to go, but um, and then of course COVID hit and it, that slowed that down. Yeah, but that was yeah. kind of the only thing. It's funny we we mostly see each other at conventions, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Remember them? That's it for that one. <laughs>